0: The Ursus Hello and welcome to episode 130 of the Age of Darkness podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud. if you're looking for a t-shirt, check us out on Big Cartel. And you can always reach out to us at Age of podcast at gmail.com. As usual, we have a packed show. Darren, in the strategium, what do you have for us?
1: so we're going to do something a little bit different tonight we're going to take a step away from one of our legion reviews um and what we're going to do with six months into version two now so we put an episode out a few months ago talking about what we thought were the biggest changes we've now had life fire exercises with the rules you've played some games i've played some games so we're going to look back and see what do we now think now we've had some actual games against physical opponents rather than just theory crafting how do we think six months in Rules two is working out.
0: This is still an early discussion, right? I think uh, for, 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 to get a really good idea of the game, we're going to need, it's going to be like a year or two into the game before we like, we have a very solid understanding of, 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 of things. Um, but like now that we're a little bit in, um, be good to revisit what we thought was going to be huge, um, and see if we were right or not. After that, in Tales of Heresy, we will be continuing our discussion of Wolf's Bane by Guy Haley and, uh, uh, my understanding is uh, Darren has some strong opinions about it.
1: Yes. Yes, I do. This, this is the, the section where I'm going to rant, uh, and I'm going to make apologies now. Uh, the reason why I'm going to rant is this links into direct interests of mine, things i studied in quite a lot of depth. Um, so, yes, there, there's going to be ranting, but it's going to be reasoned ranting. It's not just like internet raving. So there, there are, but I do have opinions. It's still a good section, but I have opinions. Should we consider warms. this
0: something of a uh, long overdue Age Darkness learning annex?
1: Yes, I think we can. It, we don't need to involve the call scale. Nothing that crazy. And we're not going <laughs> to terrify our listeners into the horror of bioweapons and everything else and virus weapons. And actually, why they're actually quite useful weapons to have. It's nothing like that. But yes, there is going to be a bit of academia in this one as well.
0: Well, I, for one, cannot wait to hear um, hear about this. rant.
1: Yeah, I (laughs) I can't wait for
0: it. So let's not waste any more time on this intro. Let's go right into the strategium.
1: And welcome to the strategium. And as we said in the intro, what we're going to do is do a six-month review. Now, what we need to be aware is this... Review is going to be based on the games we've played, and we need to realize that we haven't really played much against Mechanicum forces, or that you've had a few games using Mechanicum. How many, JP?
0: I have not actually, no. I, I, oh. uh, you know, y- uh, using Automata, yes, not an actual Mechanicum list.
1: Yeah, so I think we, so we need to bear that in mind. And at the time of recording, uh, Libra Imperium has only been out in the United States about a week. Um, And in the UK, it's been about a couple of months. So we haven't really had any games against custodians or anything like that. We need to realise it's mostly against other Astartes, which is the core of the game anyway. So I don't really see an issue. Um, This does link back to the discussion we had in the summer when the rules dropped about our top 10 big changes. We did that alongside Alex as well, from the Death and Betrayal podcast. Um, So we want to see, have our reviews hold up did our views at the time hold true to the reality of of the game as we know this is a a typical war game situation we theory craft all the time i mean the internet would be dead without theory crafting um but when you reach live contact from a table sometimes those theories don't quite work out so jp do you want to start
0: yeah uh, i guess maybe we could start talking about um let's start with what was your biggest I don't want to say surprise, but like, what's the biggest th- thing that came out of the games that you played? Uh, I've played um, well, all my games were Scandis that I played, but uh, that was that was fantastic. I played against some uh, some incredibly uh, beautiful armies uh, over in, in 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 Grilby and uh, um, a- amazing opponents as usual. I, th- I think we should start with what what's the what's the biggest thing that comes out of it? Like, what was your biggest? Uh, not surprise, but like the thing that you think is most consequential.
1: The, the big the big takeaway. Um, yeah, the big
0: takeaway. I- Way better than the, the, the rambling thing that I said.
1: <laughs> I think probably, for me, it's the engagement in, in every part of the game for you and your opponent, through the use of reactions. And I, I, for me, that's still the big thing, the fact that you can't just switch off in your opponent's turn. Um, it's not just a case of in your opponent's turn, you're not just rolling dice and removing models anymore. Uh, you can be physically involved in that. And actually, the impact reactions can have on a game now when i say impact i'm also going to include negative impacts and i'll I'll talk about that in a small specific details in in a short while but i think that's my biggest takeaway is how much more involved you are at every stage of the game now
0: i completely agree um one of the things that i found and i guess i didn't realize how because just you know reading reading the rule book and 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 just again okay reactions look look fantastic that's really going to change the game i didn't realize how much Because they didn't realize, until you play the game, you don't realize just how much reactions are happening, how many reactions are happening. Mm. I mean, every single phase has reactions in it. And it's like, this. it becomes an incredibly dynamic game.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, And I think when we first looked at reactions, I think we always knew that the shooter reactions were going to be powerful. We always knew they were going to have the most obvious impact. But I still stand by my argument at the time that the movement reactions are where the game is won and lost. I I still think, and I'm not counting Interceptor in that because I've got a personal bugbear around Interceptor we'll come back, like I said, this is where my negative gameplay comes in, I think. But the standard movement reactions, the, the advancing onto or withdrawing away from enemy units, that has such an impact on how you're playing the game and how you can bait traps or be lulled into traps. So... Shooting reactions, very, very powerful. Close combat reactions is pretty much what we were used to anyway with things like Overwatch. It's just more limiting now. But yeah, movement reactions, I think, is where the real strength of the interaction is coming in now.
0: One thing that I did... uh... Uh, when I was playing my games, I didn't realize uh because uh, I lost every game <laughs> let's put it that way. they were my first games as well. Unfortunately, I don't get a chance to play as much as I'd like. um hopefully that'll change And when things get a little bit less busy in the next semester. Uh, 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 certainly um I, I I went in kind of raw into uh, Scandis and uh um you I, came out I, I suffered well for it
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, no, it's just oh man. Uh, uh, yeah, reactions are brutal. The one thing that that, that the challenge for new for new players or people coming in, Um and, and hope I think I'm better now having actually gone through it. But like, just trying to remember to do your reactions. That's what I'm so happy they put out those cards. Yeah. Um. Uh. Just just to remember to do your reactions and 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 what your options are. And the other thing is, you know, you 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 learn your rules as as you go along, right? Um. You can read. Uh. You can reread and reread and reread the same section a million times until you actually go ahead and do it uh you, you tend to uh forget things so the biggest thing i forgot was that uh, uh tyrant terminators had to have intercept
1: <laughs> yes yeah and which that, i realized funny. at the
0: at the conclusion of my last game at scandus which would have probably had some effect in all of the games and so i'm like i'm i'm i'm, I'm sending darren pictures of of you know the thing it's like oh well, how the tyrants do it's like not great it's like well they have intercept they're so good it's like they
1: have what you could have told me that yesterday. <laughs> Well, I kind of assumed as we talked about it on the podcast and you made such a big thing about the fact that they had intercept on the the Omniscope that you would have remembered it. So I was just querying how's the intercept going. And and this is a a good sideways in to to my issue around reactions. And I say issue in in inverted commas. I really don't like how certain gears give free reactions. Augury scanners, to my mind, they're not broken. They're not broken, but I think they're seriously undercosted for what you get. And I think this is one of my biggest issues with the current rules as we're finding, also the army list more than the rules. So, as we know, you're only allowed a maximum of three reactions in a phase, and most of the time you're only going to get one. It's very rare you go get above, you get above one unless you're using your warlord trait. And then you have this one piece of war gear that is realistically a minimal cost that not only negates night fighting, it also limits infiltrators and it gives a free reaction which takes you over that total of three. And I I for me it's far too cheap for what we're getting. Now, if it was more appropriately costed and i don't know how much you've cut. Co- you would cost it as i'm going to be completely honest here but if it was appropriately costed and they still limited that interceptor reaction within your total of three i think that would be a much fairer piece of war get in my opinion now i'm not yeah, just saying that because i'm a i'm a deep strike person I, i'm not just using that because of the kind of the style of play i use but I just think you have this core cool rule that limits how many reactions you can take, which limits then the impact you can have on your opponents. It can be, you know, you still make an impact. But if you've got all of these augury scanners, which are granting over and above reactions, I mean, potentially, most units of your staties list can have access to augury scanners. So you could potentially have 70, 80% of your army intercepting or reducing infiltrators, or ignoring night fighting. All for 10 points each. I just and feel for-
0: that if, if an uh, a piece of war gear is an auto-include, you know, if you have to have it, and if you, you, you know, you, you, you write a list, and if it's missing, then um, it, it's an obvious hole, right? I I, yeah. I, I feel that that's, that's never fun. Just if it's something like that, then you just might as well give every unit the the the, the, the piece of war gear. Otherwise, all you're doing is um is adding like a t- a ten point tax to to every yes. unit because every unit is going to take it. Um, I I, I do see the uh, see what you mean there. At the same time, however, um, and, and this is one of the things that most uh, uh that most surprised me because again, you read it in the book, you don't realize. It's- <laughs> You don't realize how powerful it is till Sanguinius is charging you on turn one is, is Deep Strike, charging from Deep Strike, or or
1: just how fast everything is now. Absolutely, and I think that's another factor, which is why I kind of understand what they were trying to get to, because the new Deep Strike rules are, and by default, the, the Drop Pod Assault rules are devastating. The, the fact you can come down now really danger close to the enemy and not guarantee a charge, but you've got a pretty good chance of putting off a charge on the turn, you're deep striking in as well. I kind of understand the point of intercept, the interceptor reaction. I kind of understand why it's in there. I, but I think for me, the problem is still that it takes you over and above your three reactions. Yeah. I think if your spec scan or the augury scanner, sorry, gave you access to the intercept reaction, but you still had to use your allocations for that turn, that's something we're we're talking about house ruling within our gaming group. We're gonna try it in the next few games when we start using a bit more deep strike in our games next year, just to see how that works out. But I do want, I completely see your point because do you wanna tell us about some of your experiences at Scandus with Deep Strike and the effect? Well, in particular, there
0: there was a lot of Deep Strike and I wasn't used to it because in the old edition there wasn't as much. Uh so I I I'm gonna say three of the four games I played were against. Uh, armies with lots of two of the two of the four games were definitely like drop drop armies so there was hans's uh blood angels which again this is the first game of the day uh i i i set up my nice gun line everything like that uh he was using uh what is it uh day of uh
1: day of revelation
0: day of revelation so everything just dropped right away i did all my my reactions right i got i got overwatch on them or you know reactions uh um I, I shot at them did not man i did some damage but not quite enough and then all the blood angels charged me on turn one and so we're going into turn and including sanguinius and 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 uh, his bodyguard just tore through all my best units uh and then i had i still had a couple of things left i i still had my my fal- my my falcon Falcon was a was a big disappointment. Um did not do much uh during the entire tournament, but uh tournament the entire event. Um but uh, 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 uh at the end of the day, uh it was absolutely brutal and by turn 2 it was just like, do we keep playing? It's just like, I don't know, I'm kind of into an extended beer break at this point. Uh it was it was absolutely savage. That said it was super fun and 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 it's just there is something entertaining about seeing something like almost cinematic happening like like is coming down and just immediately charging and putting a huge hole into the middle of the line now the fact that it was my line made it less fun but it was still really cool
1: <laughs> i don't think what you're doing there what, what you said is kind of reinforces under because i know some of your argument has been online that well i can be shot three times in my turn, so if, if i'm deep striking i can drop in and be intercepted i can shoot at an enemy unit and be shot back and then i'm going to charge that enemy unit and be overwatched now to my mindset i've got not much of a problem with that because if you're deep striking you need to take risks and that's one of the things i've always enjoyed about deep striking forces is that risk you're taking by dropping in danger oh, place would well, you
0: have any examples yourself of games that you've played where you're on the opposite side because I, I show you my experience being 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 uh, deep struck and charged on the first turn. Uh, what's your view as the deep striker, if you will?
1: Well, we, I'm quite lucky. I, I mean, I I'm lucky. I haven't gone to any events or anything. So within our gaming group, we we discuss things like war gear and so on. Anyway, so we made a gentleman's decision not to overuse augury scanners because we read through the rules and. We looked at various different bits and pieces and we discussed about negative gameplay experiences and the danger that could cause me. So we didn't outright ban augury scanners, but we limited them within the army. By the player consents, we didn't say there was a hard cap on the number of augury scanners in the army. We haven't done anything like that. And it is hard when you're dropping down that you do get shot. But what that does is it forces you to make one or two decisions. Either you go light on your deep strike and force and you land them relatively in a safe position, but then you're limiting your charge options. Or you really devote into that method and you drop multiple units because only so many of them can be intercepted if there's a limited number of units should have got the intercept reaction and so on. So within the games we've played, it hasn't been horrific. But what it's led me to do... Is when I drop my units down, I then don't tend to shoot with those units, knowing that I don't want to get a return fire. Or I have to play a little bit cannily and try to play out the return fire reactions elsewhere first before I shoot with my deep striking units. But my opponent knows, because we've played together for a number of years, so he knows I'm holding back that deep striking unit. So he'll hold back his return fire, which does, you know, that then creates some interesting gameplay about. allow me to shoot with opportunities elsewhere so it hasn't made a huge negative impact personally on the games that i've played but anecdotal evidence talking to other people online and chatting to other gaming groups and so on there are places where it's made a huge impact on the gameplay experience and sometimes has left a very sour taste in the, the mouth of the person who's deep striking now i know there's always the argument of play better i i don't like that because if the rules are stacked against you potentially because the opponent's taken a must-have piece of war gear which is dead cheap there's nothing you can plan for your army i don't know yes you got the pin in when deep strike is in, but that's very reliant on failing lead- enemy failing leadership checks which yeah. isn't that common um if we we're honest because you know Astartes still tend to have leadership eight we
0: I thought it'd be a bigger, uh, bigger deal because we talked about how much we thought leadership would, would would be more meaningful. But again, I don't remember too many instances of, of Marines failing leadership tests.
1: No, but I, I think if you've got snipers and you're sniping out things like sergeants and so on, I think that is going to have a bigger effect. I think when, when we've found our sergeants taken out through things like assault or sniper, um or in challenges that then does have a bigger impact on leadership by that by that point pinning's less of an issue because you tend to be right up close to the enemy so it's an odd one i'm i just my personal feeling about intercept is i haven't got a problem with the actual reaction i my if i want to summarize my issue around intercept is for facts with your scanner it, it takes you over and above your reaction allocation which no other rules allow you to do so, yeah, like we said earlier, if it's a must-have piece of war gear, then there's a problem around that piece of war gear. Yeah.
0: No, it was... Um, a Deep Strike is 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 brutal. But again, it was probably underpowered in the last edition. Maybe that's why uh, I, I think a lot of people are... Well, certainly I was taken aback by just how effective it was. It was also faced a, a drop pod list. So that was mm-hmm. a straight-up... Uh, um, um, so Hans's uh, Blood Angels were like a straight-up... Blood Angel's, like, jump list. And then I faced a uh, um, uh, Mika's Imperial Fists drop pod list. So lots of Charybdis and and things like that. Um, Yeah,
1: see, because drop pod assault is very interesting because the uh, rules as they stand at the moment, the only vehicle you can assault out of is the Charybdis. So Dreadclaws don't have assault vehicles, and you've never been able to assault out drop pods anyway. So a, a drop pod assault list is a very different feel to a deep striking list
0: yeah but you see this is where uh the the new edition again uh, makes a huge improvement because um dreadnoughts yes <laughs>
1: let's so, move on to dreadnoughts
0: yeah well because uh, again that was a uh, again it was a really good game uh, i think i made it to turn three at that point mainly because i didn't have sanguinius cutting through my lines in in, in, in turn one but it was still a like a, a, a solid game but um, the adjustment to dreads and I'm slowly making the adjustments to dreads. What do you shoot at dreadnoughts? Um, for example, I kept firing my super heavy at dreadnoughts and also some laser destroyers that I was firing at the dreadnoughts. Like that's not how you kill dreadnoughts anymore. And for some yeah. reason, my, my, my brain was still like, oh, let's kill that dreadnought. Let's, let's fire the Falcon at, uh, at that contemptor. It's Like, that's not how you kill contemptors anymore. No. So that's just no. something you got to get used to. But I, that was a, also kind of a cultural a cultural shock. Damn, dreads are good there now. They're so brutal. <laughs> and they are.
1: I, I think, And I'm glad. I'm glad they're good. Yes. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I know in the first few months of the edition, I think everyone was taken aback by actually how good dreads are. Um, and Any I think examples? Did,
0: you, did it shock you when you first? Because uh, you knew they were going to be
1: good. We read the rules. I read enough, the rules for a change. Yeah, I, I don't think it took me as big a surprise because I'm used to fighting Tyranids in, ah. in 40K. In 40K, one of my mates' um, main armies is Tyranids. So he's always had things like Carnifexes and so on. So I've been quite used to fighting against multiple wound, high toughness beasties rampaging through your lines. So it didn't take a massive adjustment for me to kind of go, oh, okay, let's let's try these weapons. I still think, though, it's the weapon loadouts on dreads which makes them terrifying. It's not necessarily the toughness. It's it's a good save plus an invulnerable save, and it's the fact that a lot of the usual weapons that we're so used to being anti-dreadnought weapons aren't as effective against them anymore. I, I think that's yeah. the biggest. I think that's the biggest change for me. I think now weapons such as auto cannons. Are a much better bet than blast cannons, for instance. That's a good
0: point. I think it's just getting used to it. Um, I don't think that dreadnoughts are necessarily overpowered. Uh, definitely, I saw more dreads than I've ever seen Which in the last good. few editions. I, um, you know, ever since like like for like even before heresy came out, um, I haven't seen so many uh, dreads on the table, and that's fantastic. It's such an
1: iconic part of the universe, and they're so good now. They match and, the law now. This is something I think yeah. we're particularly happy with. They match the law. You read descriptions of them in the heresy novels and they are monstrous. They're rampaging through everything. And the rules never match that until this edition. I just,
0: have you, have you noticed a change in, 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 in army composition um, to have more dreads in it in your own, uh, in your own experience yes. in the last few months?
1: Yeah, there's there's more. I I think people always try to squeeze a a Contemptor in because they were cool models. And it's never felt like a Marine Army unless you have a Dreadnought. They're so iconic to your starters. You kind of feel a bit cheap if you don't have at least one. Now we're seeing a lot more. Um, But I think for me, I think the, the biggest issue people have had with Contemptors especially Hasn't been the strength, hasn't been their toughness. I think it's the Brutal on the Power Fists. I think the Brutal on Power Fists, which seems to be fairly unique to the Astartes rulebook, from what I can tell from what we've seen so far, it's the Brutal 3 on the Power fist that just makes them horrific in close combat. Now, arguably, you know, other weapons which you think should have Brutal and don't have it now feels kind of a little bit cheap in some ways. That's that's a discussion we may come back to if we talk about, for example, knights and automata. But I think overall, are dreadnoughts king? Probably not. You can take them out, but are they much more powerful? Significantly more powerful than they were previously? Oh, definitely yes. You have to plan for them now, don't you? I mean yep. previously, exactly. I think previously you could just afford to knock off a last Cannon sponsor at a contemptrum. Okay. That the one's biggest,
0: I think the biggest sign that people are planning for for um for facing dreads is the fact that Paragon blades aren't on every prayer anymore.
1: No, Thunder Hammers. No, they all
0: have Thunder Hammers. Yes. I actually I, I wanted to try this out. I actually I wanted to try the uh, Graviton Mall. Uh the Iron warrior special uh, Graviton Mall. Oh yeah. Uh, which I thought could be as good as uh, as a Thunder Hammer because you're causing um you're causing glances on, on, on not glances, you're causing wounds, sorry, you're causing wounds on dreads on a two plus and unsavable yep. uh, um, wounds on a six. So that's
1: well, pretty good. Un- unsav- unsav- unsavable D3 wounds yep. on a six, isn't it? So, yeah.
0: Yeah, but I didn't really have much of a chance to to try it. Uh, unfortunately. Um, uh, uh my my praetor Creos uh, managed to uh largely get involved with other uh praetors and the unfortunately the, the unit he was in would probably have been effective against dreads but again before i wouldn't drive him into dreads. so you have to like kind of break the way that you used to play things um before yes. i wouldn't send him after dreads even though i kind of armed him with dreads in mind um but yeah thunder hammers everywhere everybody has thunder hammers now it, which is great because thunder hammers are awesome
1: yeah, it's the, a brutal rule, isn't it? It's a brutal, it's brutal rule, rule, yeah. Force in, and, then, and then it's an odd thing, and I kind of touch on this for a moment, where you've got certain weapons that you would expect to have something like brutal, like uh, Night Reaper chain blades, for example, chains. Uh, yeah, swords that don't have brutal. And you kind of look at it, well, how does a 15-foot-long chainsaw not have brutal, but a power fist or a power claw does? There's, there's some oddities in the rules design at the moment, which I don't really want to go into too much. I don't really want to talk about because that's outside of our experiences. But Thunderhammers and Lightning Claws have dramatically made resurgence, haven't they?
0: Yep. Which is great to see. I, yeah,
1: yeah, uh, yeah I Lightning mean, I, Claws is nothing that
0: no one would ever take because uh, they, can't, uh, they can't deal with Terminators
1: yeah i mean i've always loved lightning claws um i've I've always been one of those oddities in version one that did put lightning claws onto my terminators on, so on because they look cool Cataphracti lightning claws are some of the best looking weapons they
0: again. look really cool I, I love the wolverine uh uh sticky claws
1: yeah absolutely and now they're amazing having rending on those makes such a difference yep and then when you've got a pair of them, you get those additional attacks, which goes back to the law again about how they were best using pairs. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the big positive things I've seen in this edition is people trying out new weapons, people not just sticking with what was good in version one. I think there's been a relatively steep learning curve for people trying out new weapons.
0: Yeah, it's been really... Uh, yeah, there, there has been definitely a change. I, one of the things I really wanted to try was uh, uh automata so i made a uh i decided to take uh I, I one of the really cool things about the iron warriors now and i don't think i pointed it out when we talked about the iron warriors in this new edition is that um with their cortex controller gives them master of automata which didn't before um and, and so you can actually put a warsmith with a unit of uh of 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 any automata if you can bring them into the if you can unlock them right
1: oh, i didn't is, realize that
0: yeah yeah so you can um and and that's why uh iron circle um in the list iron circle aren't necessarily um obligatory as a bodyguard because you can just put them in as a bodyguard uh because you can put any autonomy as a bodyguard so it got me thinking for my night lords that that i've been working on for years uh with with, it's still very much in a, a, a a in in the planning stages but wouldn't it be so cool to have like a night lords praetor with a bunch of vorax how cool would that be yes so savage but anyways 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 um um but one of the things uh, so i tried to i have a couple castle acts i don't really use much um and and i decided okay cool so i'll, I'll take my my warsmith and I'll, I'll put him with some 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 castle acts you have to you have to unlock them though so either you have to take a um a pravian or what i did since um iron warriors are sworn brothers with mechanicum i just took a, a mechanicum ally detachment with a uh, bare bones Magus Dominus and a couple, because then I could also try some c- Cyber, theurgy, c- cyber yeah. theurgy and 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 uh, a couple castellaks. So that was my whole allied detachment was two castellaks and a Magus Dominus, and that that was my uh, my bodyguard unit. Right, so two castellaks, mm-hmm. the Dominus, which is going to be Krios' advisor because doesn't really trust uh, anybody else anymore. Getting more and more paranoid as is the Iron Warriors way. So I tried that. And I want to see like what would happen. And castle acts are not as good as they used to be.
1: But in version one, they were too good for what they were. Let's let's be honest. Were How they? many complaints? Yeah, they really were castle. Yeah, yeah, Castelax in in version one were horrible because everyone put the extra scanners on them so they were hitting on twos yeah they were monstrous creatures so they were hitting at ap2 yeah the know, cannons
0: that's the biggest the mauler Bull cannons um yeah uh, are, are now ap4 which is just disappointing well, can't
1: we can't kill marines effectively anymore no but then a lot of weapons are re- being reduced now well let, let's come yeah yeah to uh, uh, i'm not complaining i never play-
0: i was never a mechanicum player i'm not complaining there was never uh um but uh not saying that mechanic players complain um i i think there was some units uh, that were definitely uh taken down a notch in in the new version um but i, I was kind of disappointed and the other thing with the cyber theurgy i felt that um a lot of the cyber theurgy like the better ones are things that you're just kind of like passively using so just uh, uh one of the uh cyber theurgy ones is that that you can kind of give give your unit reactions you don't really need to do anything you just kind of you do it at the beginning of the phase, I think, and uh, oh, okay. I have to reread it. So you can give them re- You can give the reactions with theory, and it's kind of like automatic. I don't think you have to. Ro- you don't have to roll a, a test for that. Uh, so I mean, that, that's kind of cool. Uh, again, uh, Castle Axe were a little bit disappointing. Uh the 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 they, they didn't do what I wanted them to do, but I still think they're cool, and I'll still use them. That's my rule.
1: Yeah, I, I think what they've done is drawn a hard line between automata and dreadnoughts. Because yeah. in, in version one, autom- automata were far better than dreads because they, had oh, yeah, wing sure. profiles, absolutely, etc. And I think what the new edition has done is brought back contemptor or dreadnoughts in general as better than automata. So they, they've drawn, they've brought back in that that law balance into the game. It has the pendulum swung a little bit too far? I don't think we've got enough data yet. Sandy. is you know, so we about it, so the data to kind of analyze it yeah uh, and I must admit down. that
0: me using two Castle Axe as bodyguard unit for my Praetor, um, that is not sufficient data <laughs> to say whether or not no. Castle axe when used as part as an integral part to a Mechanicum army, whether or not they'll be good. Because again, I didn't yeah. face any mechanicum and I don't think you faced any mechanicum yet.
1: I haven't played any mechanicum at all. No, but it is, then no one in no one on our game yeah. plays Mechanicum. So yeah, local meta, there's
0: almost no mechanicum. Um yeah I know, like everybody's uh, kind of community is different, but like almost n- no one around here plays yeah. Mechanicum that I know of. However, I know I one am... person, and it doesn't really happen much.
1: Yeah, I am looking forward to trying out Iron Circle.
0: Absolutely, uh, yeah, you I own look... some, eh?
1: Yeah, I've got a pair of Iron Circle. They're on, they're on my um, painting. There. They're all built and undercoated. I just need to actually get them. Yeah, painted. I think they'll be but
0: more they're... effective than Castlax, particularly for what I was doing with the Castlax. I think uh, Castlax are more going to be support from now on. Uh, as in, like, give the, 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 like a dark fire cannon or a melt I think uh, multi-melto is is, is is probably the most effective thing you can give them. And I think now it'll that, be pretty effective. That's but, an
1: improved weapon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, Um, I wanted to try the Castle Axe. They did not. <laughs> they weren't as effective in being a bodyguard as I would have liked. They sucked up some wounds. Um, But, uh, yeah, the, the Muller bolt cannon was such a cool weapon, and it's just really not very good anymore. <laughs> mm. But
1: then in version one, it was too good. Yeah, it, that's it was it that's was a fair. heavy it was a heavy bolter that killed Marines outright because it had AP3. But that's and what I, I wanted it to do. That's what I thought yeah. was
0: so cool with the Cazlaks. They're just really good at murdering Astartes.
1: And I think that's the problem, is they were yeah. too good at murdering oh, Astartes. Yeah, that's and fair, I think that's, fair, that's, fair. that's one thing I've I've noticed in version two is how much more survivable Astartes are now. That that three plus armor save is actually worth something now. With with a number of weapons that have been reduced down to AP four, I mean poor solar rocks, <laughs> and a, most automata, which only have a four plus save yep. as well, um, are now struggled, and as they should do. They were going into an Astartes heavy war zone, but your Astartes having that three plus battle plate save, and actually now they still they feel like Astartes. They feel like we see in the law where they're getting hit by weapons and the battle plate takes it. Um, I will add fact, to that and
0: say that Terminators feel like,
1: Terminator- almost like
0: second edition Terminators when they actually take a lot of <laughs> takes a lot to kill them.
1: Do you remember that scene in the original Horus Rising where they send a squad of Terminators in to take a Whisperheads and they're walking down that bridge and they've just got all this small and medium arms that's hitting them and it's all just bouncing off. Yeah, that's what they now feel like, which they haven't felt like for years. And now Terminators feel dangerous again. And I think it's so a combination of two plus save when there's relatively little AP2 out there. And if anything does have AP2, you've got a decent and vulnerable save on it. And then you've got two wounds on top of that as well.
0: Yeah, look at the units that we're talking about that have been improved. Uh, Battle play Marines, regular Legionaries. Yep. Terminators, Dreadnoughts. This yep. is the core of <laughs> Space Marines
1: from yep. the very beginning. This was what Space marines are supposed to be. This is it. You don't mind taking a bunch of tactical squads now because actually they're now worth a damn. And especially now they've got those specific rules like hearts for Legion where they can be getting Feel No Planes or improve Feel No Planes, uh, planes near objectives. Now they're the only scoring troop you've got as well. That makes such a big difference. So I, for me in the game's I've been playing, I love the fact that your standard legionary is now better than he was in version one, and certainly better than comparable forces.
0: Got any uh, uh, anecdotes or examples?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've had uh, in one of my games, it was lucky, but I had my tactical squad and uh, my delegatus. Charge, charge a contemptor, and because the contemptor was just wading through the, the basic tacticals, my contempt, my um, my Delegatus and sergeant were able to plant melter charges. Um, awesome. Yeah, and, and and took out the, and took out the dread. We've also had some really good fights around objectives with just basic tactical marines, and you're holding your tactical marines back because. Most objectives are scored in a final turn of the game, so you're actually trying to keep the scoring troops alive to score in those final in those final couple of turns. Now, sh- now the, the discussion here should be: should there be progressive progressive scoring every turn that we have in AOS and some 40k missions? I certainly think there should be. I don't think it should just be a last turn bum rush onto objectives. Mm. But those are missions we we've got, so those are missions we're dealing with. So I've seen increased use of tactical squads and you're more careful about how you're equipping your tactical squads as well. But they're also more survivable; They're not being taken out by large pie plates of AP3 artillery.
0: Well, absolutely. The other thing I noticed on that note, um, that I, I see a lot less super heavies.
1: Am I crazy? Now, no, I, I don't think you're wrong. And this is something I was going to mention earlier when you talk about your Falcon is there seems to be a gradual shift away from vehicles in general. Um, I know there's been a lot of discussion that vehicles aren't as good as they were under first edition. I'm not not convinced of that personally. Um, I think there's a bit more utility around vehicles than there was previously. I think you have to use them more how, if you look at modern warfare, vehicles should be used. You can't just use them by themselves. They have to be supported by infantry. So I think it's a bit like a lot of version two, you're having to change your mindset on how to use vehicles. But I do agree. I mean, most lists I've seen online and talked about don't use super heavies at all. And if you look at the night rules, for example, uh, a night army list is nowhere near as terrifying as it used to be. Um, knights, I mean a single knight will happily be taken out by a co- couple of contemptors. i reckon
0: i think knights were never as overpowered as they tended to to be to be considered uh it, it, so long as you knew you were facing knights it's the armies that weren't expecting knights that that gets curb stomped
1: it is or like when <laughs> there's
0: one game that i was fucking <laughs> playing where um uh, uh, it was just like the stomp fest. I talked about it before, but like, yeah, the, the, the buddy Eric who was playing his knight army, and it's just like every single time he had to do a stomp, it was always a six. Every single time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and stomps, I hate, I just hate that rule. It seems but so then, that's it.
1: Knights got <laughs> knights have always been used to blow up, weapons, you know, destroyer weapons aren't as terrifying as they used to be either. Nope, so everything has had that kind of power level reduced. And I and I think and we've we're talking about this, so like a friend of mine has got. A, a, a fairly substantial knight armor we've talked about saying well they're, they're actually now a playable force you don't mind like creating a all comes list against knight force because you're going to have things in there that can deal with it or limit them in a lot of ways now is that a good or a bad thing oh, i don't know i think if you're a knight player you possibly don't feel so guilty about coming along with a knight household anymore um armagers do need looking at and all it needs is a single line of they, they're treated like the contempt uh, they they're treated as the dreadnought type in terms of because currently with armaghers they can't be affected by melter bombs crack grenades or any of those weapons or rules that affect dreadnoughts because they're missing that those those tags if you were that that's sh- that's a relatively easy fix but. I think, overall, knights are more playable, I think, is what it comes down to. They're not as powerful as they were in first edition. That's that's a good thing. Are they as powerful as they should be? Possibly not. I I certainly think something needs to be done with things like the Reaper Chainsword, for example, to make it as dangerous as a Dreadnought close combat weapon. That's a good point, yeah. Because at the moment, a, a Contemptor is hitting harder than a knight, on, a, a, a knight in close assault. And there's something not quite right with that. There's something that doesn't feel quite right there. But, you know, once again, it's a bit like your Pelifurian um, campaign when you fought against knights. If you know you're coming up against them, you can create a fun game, yep. which isn't going to decimate the knight household outright. But I do, I do think the cry of vehicles of rubbish in, in version 2 is misplaced. I think you just have to adjust your mindset about how you're dealing with them or how you're running them.
0: I just feel with super heavies, I think a big part of it, a big part of why I don't see them much these days, but that could just be that could just be me. As scanners, there's almost none. As scanness, there were so few super heavies that I won best painted super heavy. Me, don't <laughs> so put yourself
1: down. Your, your your Falcon. I'm
0: pretty fucking I proud of like the Falcon. Falcon. Yeah, it turned yeah, out. Yeah, your cool. Falcon. Your Falcon but, is good. But there really, were really weren't a lot. And actually, of the Super heavies, three of them were Falcons. I believe there were three Falcons, and I can think of only a few other Super heavies. There, there were very few, and Falcons were the uh, the most um, uh, most common. Um, but I think it's just like you looking at like a Falcon's, but like six hundred uh, points or so. Um, like you look at it, I was like, man, I kind of want sixty Marines. I think sixty Marines would be better.
1: <laughs> and yeah. you'd be right. Yeah. I don't think super heavies have as much killing power as they yep. used to. And which um, is
0: good because we don't also don't want a game that's dominated by that. Um no. uh, the, the, uh, there was a conscious effort. You can see it um uh, to rebalance things so that you have um uh, games that are dominated by legionaries clashing against other legionaries and it was absolute success. The yeah. And and when you and again the 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 games that I was seeing um, that I've been seeing the last months that that I was seeing the games that was seeing Scandis and it's just like that's that's what you're seeing that's that's what you're getting they designed it that way and people their choices were um, made based on that and I think that was a success that's what we're seeing we're seeing big armies of Marines clashing against each other and that's fucking awesome
1: it is it'll be interesting how this continues now we've got more of the other armies out. Now we've got the Mechanicum out. Um, now we've got Custodies out. Now we've got the Solar Rocks list. It will be interesting when we get to LVO and Adepticon, the kind of mm-hmm. armies that people are running. And I'm, I'm quite intrigued. All we want now is a Militia and r- Demons of done but we're not going to Wasn't go that supposed to
0: discussion. be December?
1: That was supposed to be in August. So th- well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on record and say, I think we're going to get a, an equivalent of Libra Imperium for the traitors which will have militia and demons ruin storm and agents for war master in it that that's what i think because by having the solar ox list in libra imperium they can then put the, the militia list into the traitor equivalent and then both sides can use that army
0: can you use got... um uh do you have the option for traitor solar ox yeah okay i i, I think i think what you're saying makes a lot of sense yeah
1: that, that's, what that's, what that's what i happens. think we're gonna get that's what i think we're gonna have which is why we haven't had any whispers about a militia list or a Demons of a Ruin storm list coming out. But, you know, we'll see what happens in the new year. We'll, we'll see yeah. what happens moving forward. Absolutely. And the other thing I'm convinced by is, and I'm, I'm going to go on record and say this, where I'm going to put my neck out. I think it will take some time, but I'm convinced we're going to get plastic solar rocks.
0: I think they have to. That That line is so popular. And the fact yeah. that it was made almost uh, as as a side project,
1: yeah. But no, I'm I'm convinced we're going to get plastic so locks, and I think they'll be really popular. And like you say, they've always absolutely. been a popular range, but not many people have wanted to invest a large amount of real life money in a cheap unit.
0: Okay, counterpoint. Why hasn't there been a full Krieg line then? Because we used to make the same argument about Krieg, and then they put out like ten models for Kill Team, and then nothing.
1: <laughs> I think the difference with Krieg is there are other guard models that can replace them. In in, in GW's mind, what did Krieg bring that Cadia doesn't? Money. It is, yeah, but then you could say that about so many different things. Yeah, that's you, true. You could, you could mention that about multiple units within the game. or Whereas the Rocks are a very, very different gameplay style to militia which are their closest equivalents of right. uh, which are the closest equivalent of guard but I, I i just personally feel that looking through the options in libra imperium and looking at how the armless is written i'm convinced at some point i'm not saying soon but at some point we're going to get plastic Cell rocks well i hope I think you're right let, let's not talk let's let's go into wishlisting right at the end of this segment let's let's talk about wish listing for the next 12 months at the end because I think <laughs> one of the other yeah. real big positives of version 2 have been the psychic phase or the lack of psychic phase I How?
0: didn't I, I don't I I haven't played a single game with a psychic phase have you We've,
1: yes yeah I have um so well not, what, I, I, the, no, I, I
0: don't mean the with, with psychic phase I mean with anybody using psychic powers yeah
1: yeah
0: no, I, well, I, I I haven't even thought about it
1: yeah so one of the uh, our game group is a thousand suns player. there you go oh, uh, and, it, okay. and it doesn't feel as oppressive as it used to in version one. you actually feel like you have a, a, a good chance against them um and it's just seamless because it's just rolled in as oh this is another shooting attack oh this is a, adds to my close combat attacks. You're not sitting there for hours going, okay, you can have an entire phase where I'm sitting around doing nothing and can't do anything after than remove my models. So I think the psychics are really balanced in in terms of the overall game. Now, yes, everyone's going for telepathy to really put auto pins on people and then stop them reacting. That's no different to invisibility in version one. So I I think that will be adjusted in the future. Um, but yeah, I I really like this new style of psychics. Well, we we say new, it's not really, is it? It's going back to early editions, or similar to other games. Well, like every, everything games. for,
0: uh, I think, 6th edition introduced the psychic phase, right?
1: Well, no, version 2. Second yes. edition had the psychic oh, well, phase. Oh, boy, that was just
0: nonsense. You needed but, a whole <laughs> box set just to play it.
1: Yes. Dark, computer, to, uh, Dark
0: Millennium, right?
1: Yeah, so 3rd to 5th. Third to fifth, I think, used for psychics, as they're similar to in version two of heresy, and it works really well. From third it to worked fifth. really well. Yeah, I think third to fifth, certainly third and fourth, definitely used. I'm
0: there. pretty sure sixth edition introduced the psychic phase, and I never liked it from the beginning. Yeah, mainly because only some armies can do it, and you have an entire phase that a lot of armies uh, you can do, access. The, the, the majority of people aren't actually doing anything. <laughs> it's just like it's yeah, something that I mean, happens to you.
1: Absolutely. You, I mean long term listeners know I've I play Elder in 40. Yeah, well you, so, so sixth, seventh edition when I had okay, now I'm gonna unleash my hundreds of warlocks and farces, and you just have to sit there for a turn and let me do what I want. It, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go, go, go
0: grab I'm gonna go grab a beer from the fridge. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you, you do what you yeah, need to you do,
0: do. Let me know what happened.
1: Yeah. It's can not a way to a run a war dreams.
0: game or to play a war yeah. game, right?
1: No, this is it. So I I think the new version of the, the new psychic phases much better and warlord traits and i think this is something we want to talk about did you use much of your warlord trait when you were at scandus no, i did not
0: i admit that i largely forgot it was there
1: so in the games we've played we've been at, lucky enough to use our like so, uh, our Warlord traits quite a bit, not just for really the bonus reaction. Uh, you know, that, that's all well and good. That's all fun. But it's also nice to have those additional rules. So in the games we've been playing, I've been using the Armour of Pride Warlord trait, which is where uh, my of Horus character, if he's reduced to zero wounds, takes as long as it's not an instant death weapon. Um, he can make a leadership check. And if he passes, he gains D3 wounds back. And it has been so useful. The amount I can times, imagine,
0: yes yeah. That's a good ability.
1: Yeah. The amount of times he's been charging in to close combat or something, or he's been hit with shooting face because I've taken the, the damage on him. He's been knocked down. And then you just roll your leadership check and he just pulls himself back up, especially with just a two-wound centurion. You know, D3 wounds, well, you know, you've got a two-thirds chance of gaining all your wounds back. And there is nothing more frustrating to your opponent than this person that's suspended. A couple of phases trying to get rid of, and he just drags himself back up. And then goes back to what we were saying earlier, having that bonus reaction in a phase of your choice makes such a difference as well. And the narrative behind it. So the stories we've created, like around my uh, delegatus dragging himself back up on her feet to keep him fighting, is made some really, really narrative moments some cinematic moments as well which has been fantastic to see at the
0: end of the day that's what's most important
1: absolutely it, the, the story is bigger than the game in, in my opinion so but that's the kind of players we are aren't we so
0: i do love having the options for warlord traits as opposed yes. to having them like random because it allows you to customize your characters better um yes and 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 Going through the books, and I think this is one of the the things that's going to be a theme going forward as we continue our discussions of all the legions. Um, Like pretty much everything is good. There's like I haven't seen a single clunker. We haven't we haven't yeah. hit a clunker yet. We we might no. eventually there, but we haven't seen a single clunker.
1: What is really interesting is a lack of warlord traits in other armies. So solar rocks, and uh, I think I'm pretty sure the custodies. Let me just check. I've got lever imperium sitting right next to me. Um, they don't have much access or no access to warlord traits other than ones in the main book. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Interesting. Yes, Let me, which is another thing about, yeah, so the Custodians have a single warlord trait. Uh, what about Sisters of Silence? They're, they're an army we're going to have to talk about at some point, Sisters of Silence. Um, no, they do have, so they've got three warlord traits, but so rocks can only use the main rulebook. Warlord traits. They don't have anything specific themselves. Interesting. So it's really nice that the Astartes have got those bonus ones because it really helps bring out the character of the Legion. So let's talk about Legions. You know, now we've had some live fire games. How are you finding your Legions, uh, Legions, Astartes rules? They're, they're special Legion rules.
0: Um, I find Iron Warriors aren't as good as they used to be but that's fine because their ability to not take leadership checks from shooting attacks was probably too good anyway, but I have enjoyed it. I, I was really excited about shrapnel bolters, but I feel that like I never ever caused pinning. <laughs> uh, maybe that'll change. Maybe it was bad luck, but like, as you were mentioning uh, earlier, like we felt leadership would be a bigger deal, but you're still mainly doing your leadership checks or, or, yes. or succeeding in your leadership checks. And, and I, I don't think I pinned a single fucking thing at Skandis. And what I said earlier was not true. I did actually remember my my uh, my warlord trade because I took the one that gave uh, my uh Warsmith fearless, and that was actually very useful.
1: Was it's that spe- one fearless? And you can double your fire for one turn. Is that yeah?
0: You- yeah, it's a uh, fearless. Wait, it, it gives him fearless, and he has to charge. Oh, he that gets that- an extra reaction. I think. I think that's what it is. I don't have the book right next to me, and and eventually as to play more games. I will obviously remember it, uh, but that usually takes me a little bit. But it gives them fearless, which is great. He has to charge. I was going to do that anyway. Um, so that was useful. But uh, I do feel that the Iron Warriors, uh, the other, I, I would have liked to try more of the traits. I kind of locked that one in. Um, but uh, again, shrapnel bolts disappointed me a little bit. I don't know if that's everybody's experience, but I don't have a ton of infantry in my army. And that's one of the things I want to change as soon as they come out with Mark II plastics. What about yourself? How do you feel about your Sons of Horus?
1: I'm disappointed really yeah is that because yeah, you don't not. have a uh, horse ascended yet <laughs> He's a different story um no i i don't like the legion tree I, I i really don't I, it's amazing don't get me wrong and we talked about this when we first looked at our legion rules You know the ability to reduce strength from first turn of combat, so you're less likely to be instant death, etc., etc. That's pretty good. It's it is good. It's a really good set of rules, but I don't like it because for me, it's so completely different to what we originally had in first edition, and what we had in first edition for me was far more fitting for that gang culture mentality of the. Sons of Horus. I would much rather have kept our original merciless fighting rules, where we gained more attacks if we outnumbered the enemy. I I would have preferred that to what we have at the moment.
0: But more generally, how the Sons of Horus operate? Are you happy or?
1: Uh... Oh, in in the actual writer, War. I mean, I've run Black Raven in every single game so far, and I love it. It that that is um, a hugely improved of War. I mean, I always ran it anyway. I, if I wasn't running Drop Pod Assault, I ran Black Raven. That's always all what I've ever run, um, and Black Reaver is so much better than it used to be. Uh, it's more consistent. It's easier to use in terms of getting it off your, your special rules, etc. So I'm I'm loving that set of um, that right of War. I'm loving my Warlord trait. I haven't used staring yet. They're they're on a to do list in the new year. I've used Reavers. Yes, Rea- Reavers are cool. They're expensive. They are expensive. But what we've found is, in-game, all the additional rules you get with the Reavers, such as Precision Strike, Precision Shot, Counterattack, that all adds up exponentially. Um, and now we can use the Legacy rules where they've got Jump Packs as well, so they can Deep Strike Assault, and they've now confirmed those as troops in Black Raven. That makes a big difference. It's my Legion trait I'm unhappy with. But the actual units brilliant i mean horus ascended i haven't used yet we haven't played a game big enough to use horus ascended yet um but yeah the actual reavers great just don't look cool i'm looking forward to using them i love my warlord traits bane strike bolters they're on my to-do list in the next game we play uh, i haven't used caster and axes yet either so i don't know how they're going to function in game but i'm disappointed by my by my legion trait that that's my big disappointment with them they just, when I get a chance to use that trait, it doesn't feel Sons of Horus-y. it doesn't feel Chthonian. I think the old Merciless Fighter rules, where you gain more attacks if you outnumber the enemy, it really represent, rep- represented that gang wolf pack culture of you dragging the enemy down. So, you know, that that's my one little gripe about it, but you know, overall. Overall, I'm happy. They're the sons of Horus, they're the best legion in the game. Of course, I'm going to be happy. But what a little niggle.
0: That's fair. That's fair.
1: Um, and at okay. the end of the day, I still get Horus ascended. So there
0: you I, go. You can't complain.
1: <laughs> you know, cannot complain. Just got to play a four thousand point game to get them in.
0: You should be able to do that, don't you? Have at least four thousand points of
1: sons of Horus. Hey, uh, maybe. <laughs> I'm
0: Pretty sure you do.
1: <laughs> All right, let's end sure this. Uh, let's more. let's end this
0: positively um what is your favorite yes. thing ha- what is what did you like the most having played some games of this new edition uh, since the last time we discussed it more generally having played a bunch of games um what is the thing that you like the most and 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 more specifically like the moment you like the most of any of the games that you've played
1: okay th- th- there's gonna be a few i'm gonna go from my top three because i think that's, pinning fine. It down that's to, fine. i think pinning it down to One is going to be too hard. So in no particular order, this is not my top three countdown, um, but my top three reactions. So I think overall, despite my misgivings, as we said about earlier, with the interceptor reaction and the augury scanner, I think overall reactions are a huge positive to the game, making it much more interactive at every single step. So that's number one. I think number two, Astartes feel like Astartes. With the changes to AP, with the changes to Contemptors, with the changes that we've discussed all the way through the segment, the fact that Astartes feel like Astartes. And I think my final one, my final kind of, yes, this feels like the game, is the difference in weapon skill in Assault. The fact that your weapon skill fire troops murder other things around them. So if you put your elite close combat unit against a grunt unit, they feel like heroes wading through the enemy and the enemy not fighting back against them. So those are my top three.
0: And do you have a, do you have a favorite moment like uh, of games that you've played? uh, An example of, 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 of of why you found this so much fun.
1: So I think my favorite moment of any game I've played so far has been murdering a contempt pair of melted bombs as he's killing the tactical squad. So the idea that my, my, this, this delegatus and this tactical Marine sergeant was f- ducking underneath flailing arms, clamping on these melter bombs and just watching this ancient dreadnought just get vaporized. That's awesome. That, that's, that's been my favorite moment. By far what I think I
0: will choose one thing because as far as reactions are, are concerned, I will say something controversial. I think you could have had most of the same, most of the, most of the things we like about reactions, um, you could have had something, you could have had the same thing if you had just had alternate uh, activation. Oh, t- t- yeah.
1: Th- like, then you and I like, like Titanicus. Titanicus. <laughs>
0: yeah. You could have had largely the same thing and yeah. without some of the negatives. But um, I still think reactions are great. Uh, I have I have no issues. If you can remember to do them, it's going to take, by the time I remember to do all my reactions, that I will have mastered reactions will be moved on to, 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 to third edition. <laughs> But uh, I, I I would have preferred alternate activation and you could have had very uh, similar effects. So like Titanicus, you know, I activate this unit of uh, of Tactical Marines and uh, I will move uh, here and then you activate your own to counter and things like that. Yeah, I think it's a better system. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. But it's like we said before, Titanicus is the best game GW produces. It is the best
0: game, yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, I, I would have preferred that to, to reactions. But I think reactions do a great job of making you feel like you know, that you're always active and you're always um, uh, participating in the game as opposed to a lot of the times in older editions where you just kind of sit there and wait for your opponent to be done and then, you know, do your turn. Um, this is way better. You always feel like you have something to do. You always feel like you have decisions to make and the best games make you make decisions. Yes. And, and so that's great. I'm going to talk about the thing that I like the most. The thing that, that I knew was going to be big, I didn't realize how big the speed of it the speed of marines how fast everything moves mm. um and this makes it so much more dynamic i'll give you an example scanus i played against a Mary Scarlist, and it was it was brutally fast like a completely encircled how cool is yeah. that yeah like it was it was christopher a good friend of the show uh that was playing against his 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 emperor's children when was the last time you saw a Mary Scarlist? it's practically prehistoric
1: yeah yeah it it was really popular at the start of version one and then it died off to the company elite but it
0: works so well in this edition because it's so fast and the game is so fast uh, marines moving seven inches is huge i mean that makes such a difference um getting uh um uh, uh, the the fact that you could charge on the first turn is also huge you have to consider that um i was kind of weird that you couldn't like why why not (laughs) um <laughs>
1: yes <laughs> it was always one of those things like right hold we can't charge yeah, hold, until they're ready hold for on. you gotta wait for them to shoot at us at least once before we charge yeah this is the gentlemanly thing to do yeah.
0: no if you don't want to get charged in the first turn make sure there's enough space between you and the enemy that you don't get charged in the first turn like a real yeah. military yeah not that there's all that, ma- that many charges these days <laughs> um but no, I think the speed of it is is so great. and and so much maneuver. things are moving around a lot. I think it's more dynamic than it was. Um I don't know how effective gun lines are going to be now. I didn't I played something gun gunline e, and it didn't really work out that well. Um, but the reality is things are moving quickly. They're moving. There's a lot more maneuver in the game, which I think we needed. um yes. and and I, I think I think that's that's the big thing that that I knew was going to be. A factor, but I didn't realize just how much more fun it was going to be for things to move just a little bit faster. Not even a little bit faster, quite a bit faster. Even um, difficult terrain is a lot less... Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I was just going to very quickly check for Solar Rocks, how quickly they move, actually. So, it could be six, I imagine. Yeah, but they're also... A lot of their troops are heavy, so they, they've got slower when they run. Um, here we go. Just pass the Assassins... Yeah,
0: so basic ox is six. I would have actually gone. liked five, just to yeah. just to give that impression, like of because that's the one thing that comes out all the time when you read uh, but, uh, stories about uh, uh, regular humans that are seeing space marines move, and it's just like nothing that Transhuman big should move that dread. fast. Transhuman, Transhuman dread, dread, right? It messes with your brain that like yeah. there's your brain has trouble processing the size of of this thing moving that fast. Yeah, but anyways but that one inch the difference rocks, though it
1: makes a huge difference it does and also the las rifles are heavy and they've got close the, the close order trait which means they can only move half distance and shoot. oh
0: that's so, so cool. they can
1: only so they can only move three inches if they want to shoot well there's your there's your gun line
0: yeah oh, yes. oh that'll make things so much more fun between uh solar Ox and Marines. Yeah. That changed the like, dynamic completely.
1: Yes. Yeah, there, there's a lot of interesting things about Solox, but we're gonna come back to Solox. Yeah, we're gonna come back to Solox. Because I'm I'm really hyped for a Solox army. I'm, I'm really hyped for Solox. But anyway, so you got your final final one. Oh, are we doing top three? Are we doing three things? Oh no, we can do. It. I mean, if you if you don't have a top three, it's fine.
0: I, I wanted to I wanted to really circle the speed. I thought that was uh that was the, the Yeah. The the biggest thing that I saw. Um uh, one of the things to give you example of just how much speed and maybe maybe the funnest moment that I've had playing this edition so far is one where I got completely tabled. But um, uh, is is that is the time that I was playing against Hans's uh, Blood Angels? Uh, I mentioned it earlier when uh, Sanguinius came down uh, within a few inches of me. I fired everything I could at him, could not take him down. He charged me and tore a hole uh, a, a hole in the line. It was so cinematic. Mm. Again, this the dynamism the speed of this. The, the, and again, uh, I think there's some. Bad choices of targets and some bad rolling there. I don't think it's gonna happen every time. Um, but there's something really cool about it, like about just how like fast the game moves. And 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 yeah, when Sanguinius like drops down um from the skies, I mean, he, he's not gonna wait for you to fire your entire army at him twice before you could before he charges you. He's coming at you. So you're gonna yeah. have to figure that out. I thought yeah, that was fun. Actually, so anyway, yes,
1: yeah, that's it. Sometimes you can I lose think, and still look at it as like that was cool. Like that was I think cool. Version two. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the key see. thing.
1: I think version two ha- cre- is much easier to create those cinematic narrative moments. So, all in all, have you enjoyed the new edition so far? So far, yeah. Really yeah. enjoying it. End strategyum, can I go on to my rant now about Wolfsbane?
0: Yes, I give you permission to go on a rant about Wolfsbane.
1: Okay, i just gonna so there'll be a few moments' of pause while I gather myself. <laughs>
0: And we'll be right back for Tales of Heresy. Constellations of runes joined star to star. When he looked askance, he could see the lines between Drawn in Starlight. But when he moved to better see, they vanished back into the dark. One collection he recognized, a jumble of marks that if looked at in a certain way, defined the outlines of a Gloriana-class void ship. This too had vanished when he looked too hard. His own, Lehman Russ wondered, or Horace's? A single, drawn out howl sounded to his left. Russ whirled, clouds of ice smoke issuing from his mouth as profusely as that from Snowdrake. A lone wolf sat far away, close to the horizon, its black pelt blended with the night sky behind it. Even with his Primarch's eyes, Russ could barely see it. A flash of white teeth and yellow eyes, and it headed away. Russ's face set. Without a second thought, he broke into a running pursuit. The arctic waste went on for leagues. The wolf ran hard and rust pounded after, never falling behind yet never gaining either. The air burned his lungs, the back of his throat tasted of chilled copper. The insides of his nostrils crackled and stung, all the moisture frozen from them. He yanked a wolf tail from his motley suit and clamped it in his teeth. It tasted rank, stank of musk and was soon covered in ice from the breathing, but it stopped his lungs from turning into blocks of frozen meat. On he ran, never faltering, his feet numbed in his boots, his gloveless hands cramped into claws. He did not stop. Ahead of him, the wolf loped onwards. Glimmering crystals burst from its every footfall, but its feet did not sink into the snow and it left not a trace of its passing. Russ, in comparison, stumbled often, his feet swallowed by unseen dips. More than once he blundered into snow that came up to his chest. When it seemed the wolf would vanish ahead, The deeper snow would end and Russ would stumble forwards, cursing the waves of all priests between ragged pants. For hours they ran. The light never changed. The sun did not rise. Finally, as his lungs burnt like molten metal and his extremities felt the early gnawing of frostbite, a yellow light appeared over the horizon. Russ was too exhausted to cheer. He pushed himself on in the trail of the wolf all the harder. The wolf slowed. The light split into two, then three. Then more, becoming many small windows in the low walls of a chieftain's longhouse. Like an upturned wolf boat fifty meters long, its roof swelled generously in the middle, tapering towards either end, where crossed angular posts tipped with carbon wolf's heads made frames to support the central beam. A thick covering of snow hid the shingles of the roof, and lay piled in delicate towers upon the posts. Light poured from a smoke hole and from the open gates fires cast a great yellow trapezium of light upon the ground. Slowing further, the wolf approached, and as it neared it lost some of the form of a wolf. With a bound it skipped from four to two legs, its forelimbs changing shape and becoming like the arms of a man. In the next few steps, its shoulders broadened, its rear legs lengthened. In all other respects it remained a wolf, hirsute suit, so dark it looked like a shadow upon the light patch of snow. Its hands were clawed, and though it walked upright, the hind legs retained a wolf's configuration of hawk, stifled and pastured. The man-wolf howled to announce his presence and swaggered into the hall. Rust jogged up. He could not see beyond the light within. Despite the killing cold, the windows were unshuttered, as though the hall's master was enjoying the few gentle days of a Fenrisian spring before the summer of the wolf's eye cast all into ruin. Russ held up his hands to his eyes to shade them, but could see no better into the light. There was only one course of action open to him. Even Russ set his shoulders and strode within the hall. Welcome back to Tales of Heresy. Today's Tale of Heresy is the second part of our three-part series on Wolfsbane by Guy Haley. Now, before we go any further, Darren, do you have a an, an efficient synopsis of Wolfsbane? Or the second part, roughly the second third of the book.
1: Oh, okay. Hypocrisy is fine if you're a good guy. That's not bad. That's not bad. Because this, this section is... So, we'll talk about go on, go on, your efficient synopsis before I, I launch into my rant on this one.
0: I have less of an efficient synopsis than just an obscure sci-fi reference, which is um, understanding is a three-edged sword.
1: Right. And if you know that one, you know that one. But we're not going to get drawn into a conversation on that sci-fi, so going to be all. an entirely different podcast. So um, Tune in for your edition.
0: Yes. A- again, two primary storylines. One of them I guess they kind of converge in this part of the book, but should we just get Kahl out of the way?
1: <laughs> Look, you leave our chiseled Greek god alone. How how dare you talk down such a Prometheus of
0: men? He, he's what women want and what men want to be. Yeah. He is the perfect human specimen. Post-human, to, 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 even.
1: Yeah, He is power armor of... in this section. They give him power armor. He gets everything. Yeah, to to quote an old Red Dwarf quote, it says, what a guy.
0: What a guy. What a guy. Let's start with what a guy. Yeah. On
1: on this section of um, Wolf's space, it's actually quite a short middle section, this one, isn't it? Yeah. So although um, certainly the, the, the Wolf section, the Sixth Legion section, takes up quite a bit of space, not much actually happens in there. There's a lot of description, but in terms of events... Not happens. Cold is even more compressed. So, should we just have a quick recap where we've left our chiseled Greek god?
0: Yeah, he's proven that not only is he the smartest person in the galaxy, he's also the strongest, and also uh, everybody just thinks he's really cool.
1: He looks out for the little
0: guy. He looks out for the. He's he's a good person, right? He would never. Yeah. Yeah. He would never hurt a fly, but also he will. Like defend you if you need help. He'll give he'll lend you money if you need money. And and all all the while just like striking really like impressive like poses while just like just the the, the greatest greatest character, greatest character in this
1: if there was a GW sculpt with him in this period of time, it would always have that tactical rock nearby.
0: And it would be the highest selling model in the history of Games Workshop. Absolutely.
1: So Cool at this point has really had his plans thrown into disarray, hasn't he? Because in part one, we discovered that he was actually moving around all the different schools, for want of a better word, of Mechanicum and gathering knowledge as much as possible. Yeah, much like, uh,
0: <laughs> uh, much like, uh, what's his name? Um, remember in uh, Thor Ragnarok <laughs> when, uh, what's his name? Like, I, I have 15 PhDs. It's like, it's like, why? but okay <laughs>
1: yeah. and anyone who's got anywhere close to a phd would look at that and go why why would you do that <laughs> why would you do that to yourself no wonder you're angry all the time yeah banner, Bruce nice banner Bruce banner job that was like elementary
0: i feel bad yeah. about that it's been a long week uh but, but yeah uh, um so like uh, 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 call is going for like his 120th like phd uh yeah. by the time he's 16 years old i'm assuming right like doogie housering it up
1: yeah. jesus but he's been caught out now, hasn't he? And he's been forced, yeah, he's been to siding with this um, Magos Prime. And he's now been really pulled into her tagmata. And we rediscover cool. Um, what's, what's the word? Looking after a bunch of Thalax is the best way to maintain in isn't he? Is the next time we meet him. They've got this idea that they could get caught up in the wider heresy, the Civil War. Um, but no one has arrived just yet. So Cord is in the point of where he's just maintaining the Thalax co And it's quite interesting that he points out he doesn't like the Thalax, does he? Because they're too integrated. He doesn't like the idea that there's someone's brain floating around in there. He's quite happy with Automata. He's quite happy with Servitors because he's got his own private one, which he built himself out of the scrap heap. Because, yeah. You uh, know, names what a after, guy. Uh, Tesla. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He, he, thalax, he C-3PO's it.
1: Thalax are a bit creepy. He finds Thalax not quite right, which, you know, we've already seen before where oh, that's he's had this that's discussion fair. with another Makos, so hasn't he? Or, uh, another member of Mechanicum that he thinks the biologist route is the right route down. So we see that later with the creation of the Primaris Marines. But what is in the middle of this is when suddenly the War Master's forces appear, don't they? Then they appear in system and they launch the invasion. Now, why here? Why at Trisodian? Can you remember why Trissollian is such a key system for Horus?
0: Yes. Uh, the reason are you? Are you getting all
1: teacher on me? Um, no, no, no. Yes, no, I, I did no, the reading. Not you the reading.
0: Uh, not, not until
1: not until the Wolf series, and then we'll get back <laughs> not that. I'm building up a... to that
0: one it's essential for spy lines um if you're going to attack beta garmin as what we discussed in the first part of uh wolfsbane is kind of the lead up to beta garmin and if you are going to attack beta garmin um and you want to um to secure your supply lines you need to take this uh, this area yeah and it's not important for right now but it's important for later
1: yeah it's one of those strategic stopping off points yeah, isn't it exactly it, it you need to have control of it to make your life easier for the next stage it's like when you're playing um one of those strategic computer games where or strategic board games it, this is the the building stage of the game where you're trying to get everything in place before you can start launching off invasions
0: yeah exactly it, it's australian in risk or oceania right
1: oh absolutely kind of,
0: can you you need to take it and 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 then you then you then you're good to push into uh, to asia
1: yeah, but you never start a land war in Asia.
0: Never start. No, that's a terrible idea. No,
1: it, no never go there. It's, you bypass the tree to get you get Africa. It's, it's one of that's, the classic mistakes. Go. It's just fact. Yeah. yeah. Don't, let's not go down Prince of Bright, because I've watched it over a weekend, so I can get you to get excited into <laughs> that one. But here we go. So, the War Master's fleets arrived, um, and it's a mixture of legionaries, isn't it? It's nice that we don't just have Sons sort of Horus involved. We've also got some Night Lords here, there's some word bearers involved as well. And they immediately launched an invasion, to which obviously the Mechanicum. Well, oh no, we've missed a big section out before they arrive. Because they send Sotranol, don't they? Yeah. They send the Dark Mechanicum envoy first.
0: Yeah, they demand uh crew. they demand surrender and, and- this is actually a really cool bit because it, it shows you a little bit of the ideology of the Dark Mechanicum. The idea, like, okay, this is, and and I guess the the explanation for for why you you should side with Horus, I think, is it's fairly interesting because they're, they're saying it's like, look, we will have independence right now. The one thing that the Emperor is not giving us is our independence, and look at what's happening with Cain. The the Imperium has literally um, imposed a Fabricator General on us because um, by now you had the creation of the uh, the Adeptus Mechanicus. The Adeptus Mechanicus, right? yeah, yeah. So like the, the Imperium is taking control. Ho- uh, Horus, the War Master, has guaranteed our independence, and he's also like allowed us to uh, to to, uh, to study all
1: this this stuff that we wanted to study. It's a, it's a solid deal. It's a solid deal. <laughs> And this is standard Horusian tactics as well, isn't it? Yeah. This is the open hand with the threat of a clenched fist behind it. Oh, yeah. It's, we would like you to join us, but if you don't join us, then there's... Here's my friend,
0: Ezekiel Abaddon.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Have you heard of the Spear Tip? Yeah, have you heard of the Spear Tip? But what what I like about this section here is clearly Sotranol is also using some of that dark mech technology. So for example, at one point they say, right, cover feeds and it's still transmitting. Yep. Which we also had in No No Fear. It's what Law guard does in No No Fear as well, isn't it? And we also get the point that the Dark Mechanicum had seeded some um oh what's what's the um technology they seed through the main lines to knock out all all the Oh um well, the scrap code scrap code yeah they had inserted some scrap code but the Mechanicum had effectively closed it off behind a firewall so they they the loyalist mechanic had acceded that and what I also liked about this scene which, is, which I would have thought you would have liked as well being a classic is when she's transmitting how perfect the transmission is Because Cole even comments on it, doesn't he? That he's never seen a transmission so clear and so perfect. And then he starts to realise, oh, actually, I can smell things as well. And you're getting that, I think it's a stench of rotten meat, isn't it? They start getting through. (laughs) And that's when they realise, actually, no, the transmission lines are down when, when she's not transmitted on standard lines. And I really like this because, like you said, you get that ideological argument between the two between the two halves of mechanical and obviously they dismiss from the canon they dismiss the dark back don't they they call them uh, abominations and heretics and everything else so mm-hmm. obviously we knew how it was going to go but this is one for a few times in the later books where we still see that horse is willing to offer a compliance and offer them to still join without resorting to outright warfare first and you
0: see this later too um we'll we'll get back to it but uh yeah this is still horus the diplomat and well we've been talking about the siege of terra uh series i th- i still think that that horus the horus the diplomat horus the uh the consummate uh leader of men if you will leader of of, of people that horus is still there yes. um but he's becoming something greater and also something worse at the same time
1: which we see much more clearly in part 3 yeah you know what I mean? absolutely so, yeah. but we'll, we'll save that for for that part in the next episode so obviously it goes to war who would have thought in a heresy novel it would lead to fighting between two sides and this is some really nice zone mortalis description of combat going on here isn't it and i did like cool because obviously he's in charge of a Thalax cohort and He's leading the fight alongside other Thalaxi and other Magus, and I love how he's hiding behind his Thalaxi using a meat shield (laughs) in a suit of power armor with a Volkite's pen, and he's just leaning out, taking a couple of shots. Yeah, they gave him power armor, which I think is cool. Uh, It's a nice touch. Yeah, it is nice, uh, because later on, if you think back to Rogue Trader, and you think back to some of the early guard codexes, the um, Mechanicum Priest, the the Mechanicum Priest, all had power armor. Yeah. So, you know, I I thought it was a nice little throwback there. There was a a clever little nod there. So the fighting is actually going pretty well for the loyalist mechanical, isn't it? They're they're at least holding back the traitors. They are obviously losing ground in some areas. Um, And what I liked is where they end up fighting, which is like a hydroponics area, which we've never really had described in any of the other novels, have we? Where they're fighting amongst um, plants being grown. And whenever we, this is one of my big arguments with tables you often see for 30k and 40ks you're always fighting in cities people still need to be mm. fed yeah i i really like to see 40k games sometimes on a or heresy games on a more natural setting that's
0: a good point it might be an overcorrection uh for like second edition where every single planet in the 41st millennium was like a a beautiful a green, green base green, yeah exactly <laughs> if you got a green base um every planet was uh was on like essentially a golf green
1: yeah but you know i think we've gone too far the other way but that that's another point so that's actually a really good point but the, fight, the, the fighting is going on and I, like i said i like the fact it was in the and they seem to be holding their own when suddenly all the loyalist mechanical units just shut down don't they they're shut off yep it's it's like that classic scene we've seen in so many sci-fi movies when the the bad guys are about to roll over and destroy yeah there we go episode one star wars episode one just of the droid army is about to murder the dungeons they just suddenly close down they shut down completely yeah exactly why
0: Why? you know because they had a a a six-year-old called uh I'm surprised they just have serious uh, You yeah a 60 year old that yeah fla- uh, that that flew into the control ship yeah bypassing the shields no no this is a this is a way better explanation yeah uh, yes, I, I like what they did here
1: yeah do you want to go for the explanation yeah they surrender the yeah. of surrenders <laughs> but what's the reasoning behind it well they surrender the surrender because... behind it is quite no, significant yeah um... Isn't
0: it? Yeah, exactly. Well, the idea is, and I'm quite sympathetic with it, frankly, um, is that... You and I would be. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. It's... They're going to lose either way. Um, There's no... This isn't one of those situations where this Pyrrhic victory is going to solve much, and uh, the head of the Tigmata, the the head of the Mechanicum here, um, she... Uh, uh believes that the knowledge that she has is so valuable and she might be right honestly like uh it's so valuable that it's it's it doesn't really matter if the emperor or a horse is in charge the important thing is the is that the knowledge survives so i think we were talking about last episode she she has like a lot of these little 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 jars these little phylacteries kind of thing and yes and we thought that and that they were like that there was clones in them but they're not clones. Uh, uh well, they're not clones of her body, they're clones of her brain, right? It's knowledge. Yeah. She she she's pretty much has like uh external hard drives like
1: walking around with that. It's like this is what really matters here. And yeah. I'm sympathetic to that. Absolutely. And you can see the mechanical view on this because, you know, dark age of technology and the Age of Strife wiped out how much Golden Age yes, technology Yes, that's such a good point, yeah. So you you can understand how mechanical or elements of mechanical we think. We can't do this again. We don't care who sits on the throne of terror because what's important is we preserve what we still have. So you can understand the logic behind this. And that is the only explanation she gives as well, isn't it? When Cole confronts her over it, and he does confront her over it, because obviously he's concerned about the lesser man and all, all the other people and station being the Greek of god that he is. But when he does confront her, she's quite honest, It's like, no, it's about preserving knowledge. I don't I, I don't agree with Horace, but I don't agree with the emperor. But we need to keep the knowledge safe.
0: Honestly, uh, this I don't know if this is a stretch, but this reminds me of Albert Speer. Uh, when he got an order from uh, Hitler in like March 1945 to destroy everything in Germany, like burn everything down, destroy every fucking factory, uh, blow up every bridge, uh, just anything to do to slow down the Allies, um, in, in with, with the idea that you know it doesn't matter the after the war doesn't matter, right? And uh, Speer, to his credit, and of course. He 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 made a lot of this afterwards. He wrote his memoirs and his side of the story. But like to his credit, uh, uh, he um, he did not follow through on the order. He did not destroy all of German industry, all of infrastructure. And because him saying this, like the war, the war is going to end, and there has to be an after war in Germany. Uh, The German people deserve to have basic infrastructure and like bridges and power. Oh, that's a that's a fair, but like you know, it's like the idea that it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, there's going to be an after war, and people need to live, and knowledge matters.
1: Yeah, and that and that is what they're preserving, isn't it? Now, I have to say, the final element where we're going to leave cool in this episode is one of the best scenes in Wolfsbane, which is where the Lord of yes. Mechanicum formally surrender to Horus.
0: Yeah, they have an actual uh, surrender ceremony, which we don't see very often. It reminds me of the left one... to
1: surrender.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. It reminds me of the one in uh, nemesis. Yes. Right? Horace comes down, and Horace knows his... well I, 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 at, at that point it was Luke Setteray, and he got like assassinated. But this was really Horace. Well, as far as we know. Um
1: no, no, it re- really effects he has yeah, on yeah. everyone that's absolutely crazy. Horus
0: you want to describe so... a little bit the, 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 the this is your boy. Describe a little bit how how Horus affects people, even this late, because we, we had this idea of thinking that Horace, again, we were talking about a second ago, but like Horace at this stage is like a corrupted monster, but like, like how does Horus look like to these people? What does he do to people?
1: Yeah. So let's kind of picture a scene. So you have every major or every member of Lawrence Mechanicum is in this effectively large hangar bay, isn't it? It is for what, for better word. I think it's more than a hangar bay. Um, but that's the easiest way to describe it and they're in kind of tiers of people going back and back aren't they um, and you get the impression there are literally hundreds of people crowded around for all this you then have a couple of stormbirds fly in the first stormbird that lands uh, deposits the mornival and um oh who's the dark Mechanicum's emissary Oh, Suter, no, yeah, absolutely. And what I would like is the Lawless Mechanic can float up to where they've landed on these kind of big grav platforms. It, it reminds me... Tell you what this reminded me of. You know, in the prequel Star Wars movies, in the Imperial Senate, where you had the floating platforms come out when the senators wanted yeah, to speak? Yeah, 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 It reminded me of that. It reminded me of that scene. So they float up, and they're first of all met by the Mournival and by um, Soto and they formally acknowledge the surrender. And then Horus descends from this, the next Stormbird, and he's surrounded by. He's just staring, as we'd expect. Now, years ago, the Heresy Weekender, um, one of the authors, I think it was John French, talked about the fact that all Primarchs have an aura, which they can turn on and turn off, and that's the impact that they have. Well, I mean, how many times in Heresy novels do we have this scene when a Primarch appears? And people just fall to their knees or piss themselves or shit themselves or whatever because of the effects the Primarchs have. And the Primarchs can dial that up and dial that down as needed. The suggestion about Horus by this stage of the heresy is that he's lost command over that aura. It's permanently switched on. And you just get this massive sense of power and threat emanating from him, don't you? I mean, call states recall mentions that on the surface he looks like he always did and he can understand why people follow him but there's that level of danger there's a level of threat beneath him and you never feel comfortable in his presence and he could feel that from hundreds of meters away from Horace couldn't he and the closer he got because obviously he was with the makers who surrendered the closer that feeling becomes. And although Horace is speaking very cordially, very politely, there's that undertone throughout it. And you get this, a sense, I think the way it's described in novels, there's a sense for, for want of a better word, a darkness surrounding him.
0: Mm. Yep. So Horace immediately comes down and says, you know, he has this really inspiring speech, I think, about, you know, like, I guarantee, um, uh, 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 Mars' is independence, the Mechanicum will be independent. We will uh, work together to craft a new Imperium, uh, a new Terran Imperium that's going to be like different than this dictatorship <laughs> that the, the Emperor had. You will have your independence and everything like that. And and then he's like, he points to some rando tech priest. It's like, will you uh, pledge allegiance to me? And the guy's like, what? what me? What and then like Abaddon blows his brains
1: out. <laughs> yeah. And good old Ezekiel, good old Ezekiel. Yeah. he's there all the time with a bulldog on a oh, no, no, but
0: a horse who was crying after that was like Ezekiel stop like and then it's like he points to another guy the guy's not gonna say no
1: the like, will you <laughs> pledge allegiance to me it's like yeah, yes I, I, I certainly will Seeing his friend torn apart by mass reactive shells next yeah. to him, yeah, well, of course, like, yeah, absolutely. No, but it's cool. It's like
0: Abaddon's being like the bad cop here, and Horace being the good cop, and it, it works really well. I, I, I love
1: this scene. I totally agree. I think it. But works we so- haven't seen these kind of scenes since the early yeah. stages. Or not. It's since it's been a while. Yeah, clients, since the first couple of years of because we've barely um, seen Horace since *Mental Spirit*. Well, no, this is the first time we have seen Horace apart from a couple of short stories, the Warmaster Master short story, which is about a compliance of another Mechanicum. Yeah. Um, War, war world effectively um was a lot really the last time and he's reappeared but as a speaking character on stage no we haven't seen him since vengeful spirit
0: yeah that's nice
1: so fundamentally what has happened by the end of this second part of the cool arc and this is quite a second one this is quite a short one is the first battle of Tresoian has led to Horus conquering this sector, so he's established a secure, stable warp route, which will allow it to advance more securely into Peter Garvin.
0: Absolutely. So, let's go back to uh, well, I guess let's go back to Fenris. Yeah, now, so my understanding hold on, I'll preface this when we finished off last week, uh, last week, two last weeks week. ago, when we were uh, doing <laughs> the first Maurice, part of Wolf Spain. Okay. Uh, you let me know that you had some very strong opinions about the second act of this book, uh, yeah. which I thought was fine. But um, I'm going to let you uh, say uh, say your piece about it. Uh, just to preface this, when we were um, when we last saw the Space Wolves, they left Terra um, again, kind of a rehash of the not a rehash, but like it's similar to the beginning of Deathfire in that you know. Everybody's like, you shouldn't leave. And it's like, we're going to leave. It's like, ah, right, but you probably shouldn't leave. We're going to leave. It's like, all right, leave. And then they left. They left Terra. They went to... Uh, they're, they're on their way back to Fenris now uh, because uh, Lehman Russ is convinced he has to uh, face Horus. Horus, who he's not convinced he can beat.
1: And he wants advice, doesn't
0: he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because this, this is one of the most interesting things about this book is that Lehman Russ... At, at what point anywhere has Lehman Russ had any doubt that he could beat one of his brothers and he's, he's not sure he can beat a uh, horse and someone's like straight up tells him, right? Who was it? Was it Loken? Loken, like, can,
1: Loken can, says I it. can I beat him?
0: Can no. I beat him? It's like, no, like this. No. And, and so, um, you know, again, Russ has to go back. He has to like mill a bit and like, you know, gain some, <laughs> gain some XP. <laughs>
1: yeah. He has to go out and feed pigs. <laughs> So, okay. But what, what, decent, what happens here? Yes, he to strong needs is better. side quests.
0: <laughs> He's
1: okay. got to go back he, and have a dream quest. Yeah. I, okay, right. So, this is where we come in. So, this second part of the novel is where Guy Halley directly addresses the hypocrisy of the heart of the Sixth Legion. And I'm not going to pull punches here, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you're not as well. So, the Sixth Legion, at the very, very heart of their culture and legion ethos has a whole host of psykers yeah but apparently they're not psykers they draw upon the power of fenris inverted commas so that's fine so the nikean edict that the emperor himself clearly stated that anyone who trucks with a warp is their enemy or is his enemy and he will bring down fire and brimstone upon them apparently because they're using the Inverted commas, power of Fenris, those are fine. This is where Guy Halley directly addresses this. And I think this is very brave to go into a very popular legion and challenge something of the very, very heart of their culture and ethos. However, I don't think it's pulled off. Oh, I'm gonna no, I, I don't think it's pulled off. He okay. never addresses the central hypocrisy of it. He goes into depth about Why they're doing it? He goes into depth about how they're doing it, but he never directly addresses the fact that everyone turns a blind eye to the wolves using the war. Now, that that's the first mini rant. I could I could get away with that if that was all it was. I'd like okay, interesting, fascinating. Let's move on. The bit that I twitch at is, and I'm not going to call it lazy writing because I don't think there is any lazy writing taken on at all here i think there's some unimaginative writing that guy halley just adapts and puts a very thin veneer of the heresy setting over a top off so let's kind of recap where i'm going from here now full full kind of disclosure um long-term listeners will know that both jp and i have both academics, we both dabble in things. J.P. in one area. My main area of academic research is folk tales particularly Northwestern European folk tales and in particular what they refer to as the Other World. This section here deals completely with the Other World. So when we get into that part, I will highlight a few few areas to talk about. It's kind of my uh, our mini law section that we've done before, like with the um, science of space marines and viral weapons
0: yeah yeah the uh the age of darkest uh learning annex
1: yes so i, I excellent I can so we can we can do two there. segments in one then we can do do we're doing two at one but Lovely. let's kind of reboot let's build up to that section let's build up to that because what i liked in this first part is when they arrive back at fenris they've arrived at a certain period of sort of time of year they've turned at one of the uh, well, a
0: period of two years actually
1: yes yeah, so and it's you know, it's a key time when the world shifts from it's from summer to winter, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I found this fascinating and again it upends a little bit of our the way that we understand Fenris, the way that we understand the uh uh the route, in that um there is a every every second year there is a period where Fenris is close enough to their sun that all the everything melts. Well, I I assume not everything, but like a lot melts and Um, I love how it's treated as a period of upheaval. This is like the most dangerous time of, like the, the, you know, the ice and the snow. That's stable right now. It's a time of volcanoes, right? It's a time of a lot of uh, of the human cultures that live on Fenris. They have to like you know, uh, they they have to move.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of migration. There's a lot of then. fighting over resources. There's a lot of. Challenge because some of the larger sea creatures get disrupted and then they start attacking mm-hmm. randomly.
0: And also, the the route doesn't give a shit about the humans. They're 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 there. They're cattle. Well, they're not they're cattle. They're dogs, right? <laughs> they, yeah. Uh, they they um the best of the humans that live on Fenris get like abducted into being child soldiers <laughs> for the <Yeah>. emperor. <laughs> and everybody else, like, Russ doesn't care. He's not there to defend. He will defend Fenris because it's a holy place for him, but he's not there to defend the people of Fenris. He's not like Gulliman. And Jesus Christ has just said something nice about Gulliman.
1: To be fair, Tell me now. in the last few episodes, we've said quite a lot of nice things about Gulliman.
0: Yeah, I know. Like he has, he has... We,
1: we need to move away from this. We need to get back into the lore gaslight, but there we go. I know, so, I know. But what I also like is when they arrive at the, the Fang, the X, it's still being constructed, which I think is a really nice touch. But the scenes that we are met with when they arrive are very similar to the beginning and end scenes in the Lehman Russ Primark novel, which is set post Yes, yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. There's
1: there's a lot of um, similarity between the two. And you get this whole idea of actually how damaged the Legion is. I mean, what what do they say at one point? Two-thirds
0: like, are dead. Two-thirds. Two-thirds
1: are dead. Yeah, two-thirds of the Legion. And when they're docking onto the air, it's still unfinished. And russ is saying about he doesn't think he'll ever see it finished so he's already in this mindset of he's going out to die
0: yeah well yeah and, because he can't beat him right he he yeah. knows he can't beat horace he's not going there to beat horace and that's uh, again uh, most of this section is about him like what is this about it's yeah. not about it's not about killing horse he can't be he can't kill horse it's just, no
1: he and the that. reason he's back here is to try to find a way to slow Horace down. He knows he can't. It, this is similar to St. Guinness in the Ruin Storm, trying to find that one possible future where he prevails. Mm. So you've got two different brothers yeah. coming, going to the same act through different ways. St. Guinness is doing it through his visions, his purity, and through his own nature russ is leaning very heavily on his cultural background but they're both fundamentally trying to find the same answer of how do we stop or slow down horus before the end so
0: what does he do um first of all he meets up with bjorn haven't seen bjorn for a
1: bit so that's kind of nice no and bjorn also goes back to his pack as well and there's a distance isn't there? There's a big distance. Some of the youngest members of his pack he doesn't know, and they're regaling him with all their tales and things that he's done. And Bjorn is sitting there like an old gamer going, I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't interest me. I don't I don't care that you went 3-0 at a, a recent event. I'm not interested.
0: It's pretty good though. 3-0 is great.
1: 3-0 is pretty good, yeah. It's very good. You know, he Bjorn's almost say like, I'm here for a narrative, guys. you <laughs> <laughs> here for the narrative. <laughs> But but that shows also some of the distance with Bjorn, which is going to become significant during the right, because this is all building up to a significant right, which will be led by the rune priests. So, or and the chief of rune priest rune priest points out to it's um,
0: Ragnar, right? Like.
1: It's not not our Ragnar, but it's a Ragnar. It's not our Ragnar. No. And what I like here is, is, did you pick up on the similarities between the Chief Rune Priest and Malagust? Oh, no, I didn't. Both of them are crippled in body. Interesting. I didn't catch it at all. Yeah, the Chief Rune Priest was one of those ones they they wouldn't think would have survived the testing to become a, a member of the Sixth Legion. So he's withered in body, he's weak in body, but he's very strong psychically, which is what gave him his strength to pass for testing. And that is that dark mirror of Malagast. Oh, that's intriguing. We, yes. And it's yeah, intriguing. It, it, we're,
0: coming, we're coming off of a book where Slaves of Darkness would have been after this, right?
1: Slows of Darkness is after this. Yeah. Okay,
0: but like we still have a similar thing that happens where Malagrus kind of gives his life. Has to go into the underworld. Yeah. yeah. Now,
1: what's interesting here interesting. is interesting. This okay, so the parallels get even more interesting. So Mel's journey is into the underworld, into a realm of the dead. Because he has to go back and fast, he has to deal with dead people, and he has to drag Horus back through those methods. Once again, though, he has to access that through the wall. He has to commit a, a ritual to do that, doesn't he? The Rune priest tells Russ, we have a right which can pass you into the other world, and he specifies the other world, but it can only be done at this time of year in a specific location. Once again, we're seeing those parallels of two primarchs and a close advisor, close equerry, leading them down and helping them to sort themselves out to take the next step on their journey. Now, this is where something I want to go. And kind of this is where my background starts to kick in. Because at this point, Guy Halley is getting me fascinated. And Guy Halley is doing a really good job of blending concepts of the other world with the 30K universe. And up to now, I'm, I'm very impressed with this section. So the other world is very much a... Northwest European. It's very much around, centered around the British Isles, Scandinavia to a limited extent, but it's much more around Ireland, Wales, Cornwall, Brittany, and Scotland. And the concept of the other world is it's a world that runs parallel to our own. So it's not the underworld, it's not where the dead live. All right. That's very much a classical Greco-Roman concept, like um, Orpheus and the Underworld. The other world is a parallel existence where humans can cross over at certain points or through certain actions but within that world there exists a whole range of creatures some of which are beneficial most which are dangerous to to certain ideas what's really interesting is according to the I'm going to focus more on the Irish and Welsh traditions because that's more where my knowledge basis is is set you can only cross to the other world At certain what we call liminal locations. So where there's boundaries between two areas. So in Welsh and Irish folktales, that's generally areas like next to the sea or a river or the clearing in a forest. What we see in Wolfsbane is Russ has to cross over at a point where there is a direct link to the core of Fenris. But because we're in this period of transition, there's still a lot of snow and ice but you have this direct route through to the fiery heart of Fenris so that is a liminal location between ice and fire for Game of Thrones terminology so you're at a liminal location and he's passing through to the other world the other way this has to work as well and this is another element I really like about Guy Halley's research what he's done here is the ritual has to be done by eight rune priests and it has to include Bjorn as well as number nine now that is important because the number three in a lot of northwest European folklore traditions is really significant um really good example I mean classical examples of this the three wishes in Macbeth for example is a direct link to this um you normally have treasures recorded in in threes or multiples of threes um you have a series of laws written down called triads in the medieval welsh tradition so th- sets of threes are important that it's a magical number not to do with christianity and I, I you know if people are really interested in this please contact me independently and i can talk about this for a long time it's not down to like christianity and the idea of the trinity the reason it's set in threes is because threes is a easy mnemonic memory aid it, it, th- for some reason and I'm sure there's psychological reasons I could look into, um, that three is just an easy number to remember. So by remembering things things in sets of three, that creates a certain effect. So going back to the novel, Russ agrees to this. Bjorn is less than happy. Bjorn is less than happy of being involved. Now, on the way down to the area where this rite will take place, there are certain restrictions. And once again, this links directly back to historical concepts of the other world, historical being the folklore traditions. Now, according to the Irish and Welsh traditions, and you also get this to some degree in uh, Scandic culture as well, but it, it's not so prevalent as it is in Irish and Welsh. You have effectively prohibitions. In Welsh, that's uh, tinged In Irish, that's Gaius. And these are things you cannot do And what's really interesting is Guy Halley directly lifts some of the prohibitions you have from the Irish and Welsh traditions of the other world directly into this. So you can't eat or drink in the other world, for example. You can't take anything back from the other world. Um, There's other ones, there's other examples we could come up with. So, for example, you can't leave the same way you entered. as another example. There's a whole multitude it's not quite the same how he adapts it. So, for example, Russ is told he cannot eat meat while he's in the other world, uh, but he's fine to, for, to drink. And he also can't, I can't remember a couple of other things Russ can't do. However, it's Bjorn, which is put under the, the most severe prohibitions. So he's told to sit in a circle, and he's told that no matter what he hears, no matter what is told to him, to not turn round. And if he turns round, that's going to have really significant effects. And if we go back through multiple folklore tales from Ireland and Wales and Scotland, then when people break these prohibitions, that tends to be when really serious things happen. So if you go to the Irish tale of the Tainbow for example, it's the heroes breaking the prohibitions, which eventually leads to king killing and a major war in Ireland. Um, there's, there's other examples for Welsh tales where people break their tingets, their prohibitions, and then it leads to their death or other people's death. Well,
0: it's all the, the Christian so, tradition as well with, uh, Adam and Eve, right?
1: That, yeah, that, that's a very, very similar concept. That is a very, very similar concept. So Bjorn unhappy, but he's placed in this pedestal raised area, I think raised area is a bit of a better way to describe it and told, sit on that bare skin, do not turn around no matter what you see or hear or what you're told. Russ goes to this kind of central vent, this liminal area between ice and fire, and he's told to just keep looking down into that. And then the Rune Priests start their ritual, summoning up the powers of warp, because that's what they're doing. They are summoning up the powers of warp to transport russ either physically or spiritually into the other world now i mentioned earlier that the number three is significant so when russ is transported to the other world it actually takes place into three clear distinct sections first of all you have the section where russ first appears and he sees a wolf in the distance and he has to follow the wolf and this is classic um certainly british folklore british isles folklore of he's chasing after something and no matter how fast he's traveling he can't catch up with it so at some points he's really struggling through snow and ice and the wolf stays a certain distance ahead at other places it's really easy for him to run through it and despite him moving faster the wolf still stays the same distance ahead and eventually the wolf ends up at a large hall but as he gets closer to the hall that wolf Transforms from a wolf into an upright wolf, a werewolf, or a wolven, If we want to fit into the Thirteenth Company, which we know by now, Russ is aware is in his legion because yeah. we know well, that they, from his Primarch.
0: These are called man wolves, and, and and I think that you know works very well.
1: Yeah. So that's the end of the first part. So that just represents Russ's journey to where he needs to go. The second section takes Pileis in a, effectively, a Viking hall. There's no other way to describe it. What is described here is a a perfect Viking hall. And at this point... Except with werewolves. Except with werewolves inside. So, Russ goes inside, and it's wall to wall with werewolves, and they're eating meat, aren't they? There's nothing but meat on the tables. And when Russ looks closer, he can see that these are actually all humans. Now, the question here is, are these demons of warp feasting on the souls of humans that have died because we know that's what happens in 40k universe. When someone dies, their soul is just transported for warp and is consumed. So is this what Russ is seeing? However, that's a discussion for another day. We can pause that one. There's one giant wolf at the end, which is one he followed. And that's, it's never given a title. It's it given title of king or chieftain can't remember
0: yeah it's like the uh it's it's the king yeah well he's so, king. well everyone we'll get back to that but like <laughs> uh, i'm pretty yes. sure like he's got yeah yeah the the big wolf is you know um uh sort of it, it's his domain
1: yes this, this is his world isn't it this is his his kingdom for want of a better word um and this is where i was getting really excited about what would happen and then this is where i think that and i want to clarify again i don't think this is lazy writing i think it's unimaginative writing because what happens is the wolf king doesn't recognize russ as the status that he is so russ obviously comes in and he knows he can't show fear which is a, another classical feature of the other world you cannot show fear to these otherworldly beings so russ lists off all of his titles all the all of his actions that he's done all of the, his brave deeds and the cheating of these wolf wolf men goes, and doesn't mean anything here. You're, you're nothing. You're a cub. And what he does is he sets Russ three challenges. Once again, that number three coming into it. And this is where I think the unimaginative part of the story comes from. Up till now, Halley's done a great job at just taking traditional otherworldly concepts and fit them into the 30K universe very subtly. If you didn't know what they were, you wouldn't have recognised them. For someone like me who studied it in quite some depth or is familiar with those folktales, I could see what was going on. Brilliant. The trials that Russ is given are an exact copy of a Norse folklore involving Thor, literally down to every single one. So the first one, they're exactly the same. So The first one he has to drink from a... Uh, a a, miod, a mead horn. And the first of all, he has to crunch through the ice and then he has to drink it. And he only manages, well, he has to completely empty it. Well, first of all, he's able to crunch through some of the ice and then drink a small amount. So he's failed that test. We later discover that that's connected to the world oceans of Fenris, that he's crunching through the actual ice of Fenris itself and drinking the world's ocean. The second one is he has to move a wolf, which is laying down in front of the chiefs chieftain for want of a better word. And Russ only manages to move his paw to a certain degree. And we then discover that that is um, the, the wolf god, isn't it? It's, it's the um, Morkai. It, it's the, the death wolf, according to the, the Fenrisian pantheon. And then the final one is he has to wrestle an old lady, and the old lady kicks the shit out of Russ. Yeah, that's the second
0: uh, one. The third one is the uh, is the is the wolf, it's, it's wolf. that he can't yeah. move because you can't move. You can't
1: you you cannot move death. Yeah, right. And Which other, we just dis- yeah, and that that's that's exactly. It. And the old woman is time, and yeah, no one can beat yeah, yeah. time. This is an exact, almost word for word replica of a um thor myth where That's he intriguing. also goes where he also goes to a hall of giants so he goes to um and i know christopher's going to ruin me for a pronunciation but it's a yormungan no yormungan is the um christopher will fill us in later but he <laughs> go, so thor goes to a hall of giants there's not enough swedes on
0: a, this show we need more swedes
1: yeah and he's given them the same task so the first one he has to empty a mead horn he can't do it because it's connected to the uh, north sea the second one is he has to move a wolf. Once again, he can't do it because it's a Jormunger, the world serpent, and he only moves it a small fraction. And the final one is an old woman that he can't beat because she is also time. And at this point, Guy Halley had done such a great job with everything, and the fact that this was replicated almost word for word completely switched me off this middle section. It really got to me. And like I say, it's not lazy writing because Guy Halley's clearly done a lot of research into what fits well. But to take such a complete Norse tale and use it almost word for word when previously up till now he'd taken otherworldly features and just changed them enough to fit into the 30K sexing, I just felt this was unimaginative. I thought something could have been done better here. And it, it did switch me off this final section, did switch me off the final part. now. Like I say, that's me coming at this from a specialist viewpoint. JP, what about you? Because I don't, I don't want to monopolize this middle part with me. Not at
0: all, this honestly. This is fascinating. I didn't know any of this stuff. Um, my special, my specialization is very much different. I, I mainly study industrialization in the nineteenth century. Um, that's that's fascinating. I didn't catch any of that. I thought it was clearly he. I, I, I knew that uh, uh, guy Haley was like coming back to like. Um, myths, because often you do that with uh, even like Dan Abnett was doing it with a um, uh, Prosper Burns, and even Casper Hauser uh, <laughs> comes back in this, right? Um, um, when Bjorn is talking about, ah, oh, man, why did I screw myself over? We'll, I should we'll never have saved Casper we'll Hauser.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to that as well. So because we've we've got that middle, we've got the end section, for yeah, to talk about as well. So,
0: but I I I, I enjoyed it, and and I thought that um, I thought it was effective. But coming from someone that didn't know that, right? <laughs> I, I thought it was effective. Um, and but even when you're telling me this, I still think it's effective.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I, I thought it's, it was it's cool. effective. It's effective. My issue is that that middle part, the, the, yeah. the, the challenges part, isn't changed.
0: Yeah, and well, I think it, in the original story, the fourth part is still realizing that the other three parts are bullshit. Yes. Okay. Because after yeah. that, like he because he gets I guess he gets his reward, right? He gets to ask one question.
1: Um yeah. and and I, I this only, is where it becomes important. But only if he guessed the chieftain's true name. Now here we go. Yeah, we're back to true names. How do you get control over a demon?
0: Yeah, yeah. So is, you think is it's a demon? true name? Probably is, honestly. Because he's in the warp, warp right now. There's no fucking question about it. He's in yeah. the warp.
1: I th- I think it's certainly a warp entity. Whether you want to describe that as a demon or not would depend on your perspective. I think any Chaos player would go, yeah, it's a demon.
0: You're, think a demon. you're making a
1: pack of a demon. But I, it could be a demon. It, it go, could be
0: a Fenrisian demon, right? It could be a demon of Fenris that's not necessarily malevolent. I mean, all demons are like male- malevolent as much as all humans, to a certain degree, are malevolent. Um, well, and
1: we also know, in this setting... Demons are created from the feelings and the emotions of human of of yeah. sentient beings. So, is there a mini pantheon? Oh man, this is, walk, this is this is
0: definitely. Of I- I'm Fenris sorry, Zim- man. I'm gonna go call to. this one. This is a. Uh, um, it is a demon of Zinch. It could be a lesser demon. It could even be like a, a demon from a lesser chaos power. Uh, yeah, perhaps Fenris is its own chaos power. Remember, there's yeah infinite chaos powers. There's four big ones. Um, but they, all, it, yeah,
1: absolutely. All those infinite ones, all those minor yeah. ones, all connect to the four main ones in some way. But yeah, this is what I'm saying. I, I,
0: yeah, arguably, be like that. saying
1: that the rune priests are calling upon the power of the warp indirectly through their own mini pantheon.
0: Are they the baddies?
1: Of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> but. Jesus, okay, is, you
0: convinced me. I didn't I didn't I didn't know which way you were gonna go in this direction, but like Jesus Christ. Is it possible that the space wolves are the first Chaos Legion?
1: Oh well, no, no, that's definitely <laughs> the word bearers without a shadow of a doubt. Are you
0: sure? Are you sure though?
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. Right. Yeah, I've read the law the Law Guard Primark story. There's no doubt they were they were chaos from the start. Anyway, let's let's go back. So Russ does correctly guess the name of the chieftain. We, and it's never revealed, and that's something else that I really like. Is the fact that even we as a reader don't know the true name because he whispers it in his ear, and at that point the entire hall explodes, doesn't it? And it's it's scattered into a snowstorm, and this is when we move then on to the final element of the story. Which no, hold on. Think- he does
0: get his answer, right? He does get his answer. Well, uh, well, more specifically, he asks uh, he asks the correct question, yes,
1: which so- leads into the final section. Because, yeah, exactly. So, uh,
0: when, when he's dealing with this, um, well, this, this demon that's taunting him, um, in a Zinchian way, whatever, however, you want to um interpret it, but uh, in the back, what, what's there in the back of this whole thing? Oh, the you notice he, he the spear, it,
1: the, the spear is there all the time, but like I said last time, the spear is a day-sided weapon. Now, something I didn't mention last time is day-sided weapons in most british folklore and by british i'm talking about british Isles. um so not in terms of a political structure of britain but the, the geological day sider weapons always have a connection with the other world they're often mm. made by a human with the aid of an otherworldly being because there's this
0: weapon that keeps coming back to him right yeah um, he can't get and, rid of it He's tied to it
1: yeah, and that's also why these weapons are effectively god-killing weapons, because they have part of their essence from the other world. So effectively, if we want to follow through the kind of the logical thread we put in place, that spear is a demon weapon. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: So, you know, th- there we go. We want to follow that through. Now, he, this he, final he... section... Uh, but uh, go, go. Uh, uh,
0: the, the final section with Bjorn, um, because uh, he no, he no, asked no question No, for him. no okay, no, sorry, sorry. No, 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 no go, go, the go.
1: Fi- the final section with yeah. let's do with Russ, and then we'll return to Bjorn. Yeah. because the final section with Russ dragged me back into this chapter, because we have suddenly a mirror universe, and this is something else we see a lot in otherworldly traditions. Is often the hero inverted commas because Russ is definitely not a hero, but the hero often sees a mirror version of himself of what he could have been like and we get this again here and we get the Terran raised rust don't we now I, I don't know about you I found this fascinating because we know the Empress plan was to raise all the Primarchs on Terra originally and those of you who read Fury's Magnus see some of the, the other details about some potential plans around that the description of the Terran rust and I don't know like you I love the mirror universe episodes in Star Trek. This um, reminded me of a mirror universe episode. Because you get to see Russ in Imperial Army uniform. What he could have been like without the Fenrishian culture and upbringing that he had.
0: Yeah, it's br- oh just as quick aside. Um as quick aside, uh the, the DS9 ones aren't that great. Definitely oh, definitely no, me. I'm sorry. But like uh the, the mirror mirror the first one from the original series uh top five star trek episodes ever and i would say the enterprise one the two-parter enterprise one is like one of my favorite star trek things that they've ever done uh even the discovery ones are pretty good the ds9 ones i don't know man i want just do, no terran empire it's kind of weird i do love uh kira in, in in those ones like she 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 got to like vamp it up and i thought that it was great anyways let's this is neither here nor there moving yeah. on
1: but like we'll that, that's different We can discuss this podcast. in
0: our Babylon Five slash DS Nine podcast.
1: Yeah, that, that's the, that's the Podcast, we'll do at some point. The, the one-off special we'll do <laughs> of oh, six hours in length. <laughs> we'll set a date. We'll set a day aside for that one. Anyway, so this section here is the two Russes have a conversation, don't we? Or yeah, and the Terran Russ basically challenges everything at the heart of the. The, the rust Prime, as we, we can refer to him
0: and i love that he just points out what everybody what, what's so obvious is that oh yeah so you just wound up being shot into the world that perfectly fits your personality in every way yeah that was a coincidence it was so coincidental that every primer went to a world that kind of that <laughs> matches like
1: them that. yeah yeah what a coincidence and and he challenges him about letting his legion use for warp as well yeah 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 you know so he he really lays him bare he tests him on every single level and you have to say a lot of russ prime's answers are found wanting he hasn't got an explanation for a lot of them and it's almost that he's never wanted to think about those questions which is another point of the other world to challenge you and make you consider things that you haven't previously thought about
0: Oh, that's really Head interesting, on. and and I think that again, I think this is a really effective part of the story.
1: This part is, yeah. And, I, I and like, eventually, I, yeah, I, I like
0: his, his questions are, are found in wanting, but eventually they do answer it. He does get to ask his question.
1: Yeah, and he gets the answer he needs as well, doesn't he? Yeah. He, he gets, Basically, he gets confirmation that the path he's on is the correct path.
0: Yeah, So essentially, or, and this is like one of my Possibly um, one of my favorite quotes, in, in the whole thing is like, what, "What, what's the spear? The spear is tied to me. What, what do I do with the spear? How do I use the spear uh, to take on Horus? How do I uh, use the spear to, uh, uh, like, what, what's the goal is? Why is this tied to me? And and, and the, the 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 basic answer is that all the emperors' uh, gifts are, are are have two edges, and 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 they will cut both ways." which i think is really really cool and that's why it kind of reminded me of the whole Kosh thing but um yes
1: and and it's typical folklore answer of it, it's a classic dungeon master answer isn't it it's like i'm going to tell you the ways. answer without telling you the answer yeah cuts both ways.
0: well the idea is, is that, yeah like well, you you you're not getting out of this you you're not coming out of this the way that you went into it No.
1: there's going to we be know that
0: we know that russ isn't going to die but like he's not coming out of this um the way that he'd like to, you know...
1: Yeah. He's not going to the, win there's this to No, there's going to be a cost of some sort. Yeah. Now, let's go back to what's happening with rune Priests and Bjorn. Because it's not good, is it? So well, like no, they're all said, dead, aren't they? <laughs> well, no, but it's the fact that Bjorn keeps hearing them die in different ways. <laughs> so he's not allowed to look. And, you know, Bjorn has been really challenged on this as well. And it does make you wonder what would have happened if he had turned round at any point? Would Russ have been lost in the warp?
0: Hmm, interesting.
1: Hmm, there's a what if there, isn't there? But well, He
0: was told not to and he didn't.
1: Yes, so he's that shows his loyalty, doesn't it? It show, It's building up to what he will be at the end of the Heresy and the Scouring Period. as the first great wolf of the Legion, or of the chapter. And like you say, each of the room priests is dying in different ways, aren't they? So, um, when Russ reappears, we get a bit of a, uh, an overview. So, some have clearly been exploded. Some have clearly been burnt. Uh, the, the chief room priest himself, what, what is it? Ice, isn't it? It's wind that I think killed him. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah I think so. But before Russ comes back, Bjorn is told that he's returned isn't he so you have this voice behind bjorn telling him it's okay bjorn it's over you can turn around now and it sounds like russ <laughs> doesn't it
0: Yep, Taren, russ, know, it's Terran russ not the
1: right russ yeah but we all know that the space wolves have all these extra senses because they're so wonderful and ruster and bjorn turns and says, oh no you're not my lord you don't smell like him you're, you're clearly one for Neverborn, one for demons, isn't it? And at that point, the demon goes, yes, does, does the classic cackling, oh, I'm going to make you turn around. Um, starts doing all, all the classic demon stuff, picking up the winds, trying to force him to turn around. And then you just hear a Bjorn duck. Yeah. And the, the <laughs> spear sp- yeah. Yeah, yeah, so just good. obliterates this demon, doesn't it? And then you have Russ saying, it's okay, you can turn around. And Bjorn's still like, no, I don't believe it's you. Tell me something that only you would know. <laughs> to which, obviously, Russ does. And then beyond, turns around sees this devastation. Now, I've one final thing I want to kind of pull out from this. We cannot underestimate how devastating a loss that is for the Legion. We know the Battle of Tresodian is going to effectively finish off what is left of the Legion of Space Wolves in terms of manpower. However those eight key rune priests died in this ritual loses the, the legion so much law, so much knowledge and so much pure mm. psychic power that they could have brought to the battle of Trisolian. We know by now, and we certainly get this in the third part, how deep down the sons of Horus are in terms of chaos worship. And we'll talk about that much more in the third and final part. If those eight rune priests had gone to a battle of Tresolian, their knowledge of the warp, their mastery of war, warp, would have made significant impact on that battle. But they've now been lost. That information, which they knew and understood, hasn't completely been passed on to their apprentices. So the rune priests which are left are not as powerful as the eight which have died to get Russ, effectively, the answer he needed. now. Is their loss worth it? Russ would probably argue yes. Long term, was their loss worth it? Probably not. This is kind of like, and I hate to use the term dark age because it's not applicable, but this puts the Legion into a dark age of knowledge where that pre heresy knowledge and law is lost to the post heresy Legion and therefore chapter. And does that leave the Legion open? in some
0: ways. I think that's just a great way to, uh, uh, to close out the section because after that, the, the, you know, Russ has his answer, uh, about the, uh, the spear, um, and that he can wound Horace and he will make, uh, what is it? He'll, he'll make Horace doubt himself with the spear. Yeah. Right. He'll, he'll, uh, the spear, what, what the spear will do is, uh,
1: make, reveal Hor- his true character.
0: Yeah, exactly. um, and in so doing, uh, it'll be, you know, potentially devastating to Leevin Russ and the route. And and as we know, um, they will not be a Terra. But it's going to end it there because after that, they realize uh, that this is when they track down where the Vengeful Spirit is. And where is the Vengeful Spirit? At Tresolian. Exactly. Because all, all those the runes stories. that the, the the remember the, the Pathfinders, all those yep. those runes they were putting on the Vengeful Spirit. um, that allows uh the route to track them so so this puts the route on a collision course with um the main fleet of you know the main combined fleet uh, of 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 the war master's forces and more yeah. importantly puts russ on a collision course with horus
1: yeah and just as a kind of couple of a little minor coincidences just rolling there um there's three distinct parts to this story i, I know normally in in when we do these tales of heresy, we break things into three parts, but this is clearly in three oh, yeah. parts. And Trisodian, root word try, three.
0: Ah It's well constructed. It's well constructed.
1: It's well constructed. Yeah, like it's it. well constructed. I just don't like that middle section. But let's pause it there and we'll move on to the end of the show. Excellent. all
0: right welcome to the two-week hobby challenge um all right so darren i know that um uh, you've done an incredible amount of work recently uh, since the last episode uh, uh I, you've sent me some a couple pictures of it uh, i don't think it uh it does uh, uh, a couple pictures does justice to the incredible amount of work you've done
1: yeah it's been busy a couple of ones um so the, the main thing probably is i've finished my demon project Finally, and what well, I say finally, it's been surprisingly quick. Uh, it's been incredibly in, quick. Yeah, it started in April. So it's taking about yeah. six months altogether to go start from building. It's like one of those kit. situations
0: where like uh, you, you see a friend and it's just like, oh, your kid's already this old. It's incredible. But like this is this is fast.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, is, it's, it helps a lot if it was airbrush and just washes. So a lot of the like the horrors I did just by building up layers of washes on them um a lot of the other bits were just airbrushed and then detailed so it was a quick army to put together it's much quicker than i thought but i've ended up with about 1500 points of demons so obviously that's that's cross system so i can use a lot of things i'm really pleased it's very different to my usual style my my usual style is quite drab and grim um but these are because they're zinchian really bright and colorful so I, i've really gone out of my um, comfort zone on that but I have enjoyed doing them. It's been a a good break. I'm ready to go back to something. I'm currently back onto my sons of Horus now. So I'm I'm rounding out some of my support squads. I'm working on a squad of veterans and a Contemptor. Um, I did also pick up the Graviton weapons for AT. Oh, cool. So, because I've got some Warhounds sitting in boxes. So I'm going to set up some Volkite and Graviton weapon Warhounds. See how they run around.
0: Oh, sweet. Well, I look forward to seeing uh, seeing what you do with those.
1: Yeah. And uh, we had a gaming weekend up at Warhammer. Did Boring. you? How'd that go? Yeah. Well, three of us have our birthday. I mean, we're quite lucky that three of us have our birthdays in October. So we all decided, well, let- let's just get together over the weekend and-, and play some games. And um, not- I didn't play Heresy, but we played Necromunda, which is a great game anyway. I thoroughly enjoyed Necromunda. But we also played Aeronautica properly for the first time. Tell you what. That's a great little 30 minute game.
0: Oh, really? It, I, he- it's I keep really hearing your things fun. about it.
1: Yeah, it's so much fun. It's so, so entertaining. It's like, uh, have you played X Wing? I have not, no. Yeah, so I mean, if you played X Wing, it's very similar, but it's a lot simpler because you, where you're on hexes, you don't have to worry about kind of rules measurements or anything like that. It's just you're moving a set number of hexes, and it is so much for fun to play things die very quickly but the maneuverability is such a fast playing game and we we got two games in in about an hour just over an hour um really really enjoyable and every game or every plane is viable every plane has its advantages so and what and disadvantages well and you're playing with little planes what what you know what else can you ask for
0: I mean, it's perfect and the planes obviously the uh, I have some uh, uh, for Titanicus um, reasons because they're perfectly to scale. Yeah, Titanicus reasons. Uh, I, I I use them as uh, sweeping run counters, and and um, the thunderbolts they look absolutely amazing. Just yeah. perfect little models.
1: All, all of them. Yeah, all the kits are amazing details. I, I I've invested quite heavily in Aeronautica. I, I it's one of those games that I always thought was going to be good, but now I've actually had a few games of it. I didn't realize quite how good it was going to be. Excellent. So, what about yourself? What have you been up to?
0: I guess my 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 main project for two thousand uh, uh, twenty two, uh, which turned out uh, to be a "Don't Look Back." Did a bunch more work on that. Uh, um, uh, I, I I ordered some uh, some leaves, some like little like miniature uh, leaves from uh, Shadows Edge uh, uh, Shadows Edge Scenics or whatever. Uh, they look fantastic. So, I've been like uh, going over all the, uh, the the scenery I've made over the past uh, few months and adding leaves, and it gives a lot a lot a lot of a lot of um, uh, visual interest uh, paid to two models for that, uh, which was a pizza man or a pizza guy that uh, is the supporting character immediately, uh, immediately shows up and gets killed because the way that the game works is you can place a supporting character and the killer immediately has to attack the other supporting character. So you can use them to strategically to uh, to get the killer off of objectives or stuff, stuff like that
1: well yeah, not really, it's, it's just one of those random people that turn up in yeah. a horror film isn't it just just get horrible yeah just just kind of, it just and kind of shows up
0: immediately gets, yeah. gets, gets killed um and um oh yeah I, one of the other uh, the, the core uh core characters which i uh tried to paint up uh like uh, keith david from uh well pretty much every movie in the 80s uh from the thing and from they live and one of my favorite actors of all time so i tried to paint him up like that uh um so it was pretty rad i uh, had a lot of fun with that uh building two more trees which i had ordered uh um they're like woodland scenics uh, uh ready-made trees which i realized i could have easily made myself but whatever uh, I, I i'm not getting into making making trees uh so i got um so i i got some ready-made trees i'm making bases for um what else the uh Oh, uh, oh yeah, and I, I assembled uh, the Gord Reaper and the Gord Reaper too. So I, I got some expansions as well. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty stoked about that. Those are some expansions that come in the v, uh, the VHS cases. I know this. None of this is heresy, and I do apologize. Uh, but it's just been so much fun over the last few months. Just painting this stuff up. I mean, You've i have really played a few times, in, but
1: yeah, since Adepticon, this this has been your big thing, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, it's just it's been it's been such a breath of fresh air because uh, I'm just paint, painting space marines and 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 Imperial Guard for. 30 years and it's the first time I've actually ever gotten a into another game like I feel like I'm cheating on 30K a little bit but like it's first time uh that I've painted something completely different and it's just been such a breath of fresh air I um, I um I intend to be working on my night lords again um over the next few months especially now um that I should be able to afford the rest of the models I need for it because as I mentioned last time it was a very expensive product, uh, project.
1: Yes. But uh, just yeah, having a lot of fun with
0: don't look back and and uh uh um uh, hopefully everybody will forgive me for uh, uh cheating on 30k but uh, it's been uh quite fun and allowed me to uh uh to practice different kinds of painting different kinds of things nice bright colors i would never normally use and and it's, it's been a lot of fun so anyways
1: it's, it's, like my, on, it's, a it's been like on my that. demon project isn't it it's a bit on like my demon project yeah. it's a break it's a break from a normal and sometimes you need to have that break from a normal to refresh you for for going back to your original projects. Although, oh, absolutely. You, you, and I both know that when those Rough Riders drop,
0: how the hell am I not going to buy Rough Riders? It's almost impossible. Yeah. I think yeah. I, I could try oh, to change the. I, I was thinking I, I have some um some Valhalla style heads from Victoria Miniatures that I never really used, and I'm thinking if I could just replace the heads, I think they would look perfectly fine as Valhalla yeah. Rough Riders.
1: I'm, see, I'm going to swap out the heads for more Kadian looking heads. Because that that's what I've got in the rest of my army. So yeah. I think I'm gonna be trying to be head as about. Well. And I think it will work. I think it will work really well. I cannot wait for those to drop.
0: They have to be in the if they don't put them in the militia list, I'm gonna make my own rules for them, which yeah, I'm sure absolutely. people around me will let me use. But like just yeah. put them in the militia
1: list. Yeah. Cause you know, what sums up 30k then a guy on a horse with a grenade like, stapped strapped to a stick. <laughs> it's it's
0: just like it's iconic. It's iconic for 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 the guard um yeah and and the imperial militia i mean it, it, yeah it has to be on there it has to be on there. just put in the militia list uh but yeah that's gonna be hard to resist but that should also be really fun i don't remember the last time i painted a horse <laughs> it should be interesting no.
1: um okay <laughs> no that's a good point
0: all right to end today's episode i will be playing a song by band called uh psychic Hood. psychic Hood plays 40k themed dungeon synth it's really rad hope you enjoy it if you do enjoy it or if you enjoy anything that we've played or anything that you find out there, always consider uh, uh, going to band camp and uh, throwing uh, the bands uh, um, a few bucks. Get a t-shirt, get a uh, a tape, vinyl, whatever. Just support the people that make the music that gets you through the day. So what are we doing in the next episode?
1: Um, we haven't fully decided. We are definitely going to be finishing off Forks Bank so now i've got over my rant from part two we can go back into how uh horus kicks the shit out for us um because he does um well
0: yeah but this is this is horus at level like 99
1: that is yeah this is horus ascended and we've seen the rules for him now we know why he does this
0: so that was episode 130 as usual thanks for listening uh.